Before I do that, it's, uh, it's not an issue at this time, but we do have room 416 available as an overflow room. So um, if it gets to be very crowded in here, we, we may be asking some people to go there. And you can feel free to inform any people who come in late, especially those of you sitting to the side over there near the door, that that room is available as an overflow room. Okay, so the first item of business, um, once again, before I uh, call the order, I'd rather call the roll, I have a special announcement to read. The ringing of and use of cell phones, pagers, and similar sound-producing devices are prohibited at this meeting. Please be advised that the chair may order the removal from the meeting room of any persons responsible for the ringing or use of a cell phone, pager, or other similar sound-producing electronic device. Thank you for turning them off. President Gillespie. Here. Vice President Breslin. Present. Commissioner Benjamin. Here. Commissioner Neto. Here. Commissioner Pack is excused. Commissioner Suval. Here. Commissioner Tom. Here. Okay, we have a quorum. And uh, before that, I believe there's a, a change in the agenda to announce. Uh, yeah, I'd like to uh, actually make a couple announcements just for everyone who is here. I'm going to uh, do the consent <coughs> calendar third and then the staff report fourth. I know a lot of you are here about a proposal that was discussed at the uh, Charter Reform Committee. And just so you know that there's nothing on our agenda tonight concerning that proposal that was a request from the chair of that committee not to agendize it uh, because the support. Microphone. Oh, I'm sorry. My microphone is on. Just Okay. I need to speak up. At any rate, just so you know that that agenda item is not on our agenda tonight, so we won't be discussing it formally. However, there is public comment at 8 o'clock, and if it comes up during staff report or commissioner announcements, that's another opportunity. However, it's not a proposal that's being brought forward for consideration before our taxi commission, so just so you know that if that's why you're here. Okay, and we will switch uh, three and four around, so we can go to agenda item two now. Agenda item two is a resolution to recommend allocation of the driver benefit fund. This is an information and discussion item. Is our guest here, Mark Kelleher? Yeah. There he is. Okay. Let me, uh, um, so just by way of an introduction, um, Commissioner Gillespie and I will uh, introduce this item. Uh, basically, the uh, uh, so-called driver benefit fund is a fund of dollars that um, was approved for a collection uh, by the commission back in, I believe it was in 2002, and uh, monies have been collected uh, as uh, donations from uh, members of uh, the business community here, uh, mostly one member, uh, in fact, but uh, from members of the business community over the past, uh, well, since fiscal year 2002, uh, funds have been collected. And these funds have been growing. They've been in our account. Um, they have not been spent by the Taxi Commission for operational purposes. These funds were collected under what the Commission recommended to be used for the benefit of drivers. So um, Commissioner Gillespie uh, convened a working group to talk about some of the possible uses for this fund and talk about ways that the funds could best be used to benefit the driver community. And so now uh, that, that group has come up with some recommendations. And we have a guest here tonight. And Commissioner Gillespie? Yeah, thank you. So uh, with the resolution, I'm not going to read it, but it's basically two recommendations for using this fund, which is about $8,000, and, you know, appreciation goes to the contributions and to the people who collected it. But it was felt that uh, two of the best ways to use this money would be toward a scholarship fund for the children, children of San Francisco cab drivers for one boy, or one girl, one male, one female, and also to use that 
I'm going to let our guests talk a little bit about that, the cost of that. But uh, the other would be for an accidental uh, death fund. If a driver was killed on the job, it would be money that could be contributed toward uh, funeral expenses and toward his family. So we hope that never has to happen again. But in my tenure here, in 10 years, it has happened, and it would have been nice to have something like that in those cases. So these are the recommendations that uh, we've come up with. And I've invited Mark Kelleher here tonight, who works in alumni affairs and fundraising and things like that at San Francisco State University. And he's going to talk a little bit, tell us uh, what it would take and what what this is all about and how feasible it is and, and uh, how they could administer this. So, Mark, thanks for coming tonight. Uh, it's a pleasure. Uh, well, thank you, uh, Commissioners. Um, I would like to um, say good evening, and I am the Senior Director of Development at San Francisco State University. Um, among my responsibilities is to oversee scholarship programs, um, the donor relations as well as the development of scholarship programs. Uh, I want to point out tonight a couple of things about the way scholarships work at SF State. Uh, well, most everybody knows what a scholarship is, of course, but there are some interesting sort of facets, as well as why um, we're considering uh, why the uh, proposal is being considered for San Francisco State. We greatly appreciate that, um, especially just the idea, the concept of establishing a scholarship fund for taxi drivers, dependents, especially children. Um, the need is uh, very great uh, for scholarships. Uh, the um, it, it, just in the Bay Area, just among Bay Area uh, students um, who enroll at San Francisco State, the need for financial aid is about 70 percent. 70 percent of them receive financial assistance, and the reason scholarships are important is because right now, about 70 percent of those students who receive financial assistance receive it in the form of loans that they have to work, use work-study, pay back, and that can burden them for a very long time after college. And scholarships, the reason San Francisco State is so, and other universities are so focused on increasing the scholarship base is because scholarships offset the need for loans, and that's very important. Um, it's one of our highest priorities. Uh, you probably read in the paper about San Francisco Promise. Uh, it's a, a large scholarship partnership with the city um, in San Francisco State because it is such so important to offset these loans. There are a couple of reasons that's the case. When scholarships are promoted among public school students especially, it tends to increase the number of students who want to go to college, and that's very important. Uh, that's one of the key strategies behind San Francisco Promise, for instance, another scholarship program. Um, they are actually easier. One of the reasons is because they're easier to apply uh, for a scholarship. A loan is very complicated. There's the burden of paying it back. It's very daunting. A scholarship is uh, provided by donors and their generosity, as we know. Um, also, what's really interesting is that the more scholarship funding there is, the, more, the less likely a student is. There's an inverse proportional uh, percentage of the students that drop out. We have some research that shows uh, if a student works more than full-time, full-time or more, and many of our San Francisco public school students who enroll at San Francisco State do work full-time and more, and, and it's inversely proportional to the dropout rate. Currently, the dropout rate for public school students who enroll in San Francisco State from this area is over 50 percent. It's a huge figure, and if we reduce the work time, the time that they're actually working while they're in school to around 25 or 30 hours, we can reduce that to about 30 percent dropout rate, not just not the 50 percent. So this is, again, critically important. The loans offset, rather the scholarships offset the loan and the need to work because, of course, part of working is paying back the loans and, and, and the overall socioeconomic burden. So that's just sort of a big picture I wanted to paint. And then why San Francisco State? You know, we um, 
are the leading undergraduate institution in the city in terms of public institutions um, for uh, undergraduate and graduate, of course, but our, the, the great majority of our students are undergraduate students. And about 50% of them come from the Bay Area, 25% of them from San Francisco itself. Most importantly, and this is important for our workforce development in the long run, again, what education in some ways is partly about, uh, in addition to personal development, um, the, the, those 50% from the Bay Area, 80% stay in the Bay Area when they graduate. 80% of our alumni remain in the Bay Area, live and work, and raise their families in the Bay Area. So that's very that just positions you know San Francisco State uh, in, in kind of a distinctive way. And also, I want to point out that the amount that's being considered, possibly $60,000, is a base scholarship that we hope to grow in the future. And, and, and I'll get to that in a minute. That covers about the the, the income from that toward a scholarship on an annual basis, even without it growing another dollar, and it will because, of course, we invest that, well, and, and then part of that goes to the scholarship, part goes back into the investment. Forty percent of that tuition each year is covered by that. So that, that $60,000 would generate approximately $2,000 a year, and tuition next year will be approximately $5,000, so that's 40 percent. The, the next institution you might consider public institution would be UC, and that would only cover 22% of its tuition. So this, the, 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 bang, the bang for the buck, essentially, is very strong with San Francisco State in terms of establishing a scholarship like this. We're in that sort of good, good range where it really makes a difference. The um, funds at San Francisco State, the scholarship funds, are not charged in any way administratively. Some funds are, but at San Francisco State, they are not. Um, and our even in this dire economic situation we're in, um, we have one of the lowest losses on our endowment. We happen to be only uh, dealing with about a 14% loss on our endowment this year and haven't suffered that at all in the past. We've been growing our endowment every year for the last four or five years until this year. And other institutions, as you've been reading in the, in the media, have been losing, have, have endowment losses of between 25 and 35%. So you know we're very well managed, tightly managed, partly because of the state oversight, partly because of the rules we abide by, but also because we're in a growth mode and we don't we all, we want to make sure that we're serving our students. Every dollar counts at San Francisco State. You know that you probably have read in the in the in the uh, in the in the media then heard that you know we're, our budgets are very well managed and and uh, especially in this in this kind of time. Um, I just want to also point out that we have about 800 scholarships under management, um, over a million dollars worth of endowment under management. So we have um, a long history of experience in doing that. Um, and our commitment to diversity is really significant. 25% of our enrollees are people of color and overall, and then in San Francisco itself, San Francisco public school students and Bay Area students who actually enroll at San Francisco State, that's as high as 60% uh, people of color. And that's not including Asian Americans. It goes up to, if you include Asian Americans, overall it's 50%, 25% overall, 50% with Asian Americans, 90% with San Francisco if we consider Asian Americans. And interestingly enough, too, in terms of the diversity, and this is important, I think, considering you know, the, 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 po the population that we're serving, the, taxi, the children of taxi drivers, um, in, in general, if we broad brush a bit, I think diversity is very important to those families and, 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 a, comf and a comfortable culture for the students that attend. In addition to that, we have 5% of our students are international. So again, underscoring the diversity. And we have a program set up which I oversee, 
that helps grow scholarships, and that's important too. Annually, we have, an, we have an event and a number of other programs that focus on local scholarships that are contributed by alumni and local organizations' friends, such as this would be, and we promote those scholarships, we bring alumni back, we raise money for them, and so they do continue to grow, and we have a mechanism to do that, and I think that's very important in terms of keeping ahead of costs. So, so those are just a few of the points I wanted to over, over cover, and um, I'd like to take questions if you have them. That's great. Thank you very much. I think that's it shows that this is not the first time you've done this kind of work, that it's feasible, that this would really reach, you know, a great target audience and a great use for this money, and then it would go a long way at San Francisco State, and it's it's the largest school in the city, and it has a really wide diversity of programs, and uh, so let me just clarify for people who, you know, might worry about... <coughs> Once the taxi commission falls and the MTA takes over, that they're not really going to have the ownership of this program like like we have. If we make this donation, basically, it's going to run itself then, right? And you might you will set up a committee to review applications, and and you might invite someone from the community to sit on that committee to review that. And what would be the criteria? Would it be uh, financial need? Would it be? Uh, we 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 prefer uh, arranging a scholarship is directed mostly by the donor. However, we, we do encourage certain, you know, um, paradigms. And one of the, what, are, one of the, uh, one of the, what we do encourage is, of course, um, uh, scholarships that are based on need. So I would strongly encourage that, although you're not required to do that. Uh, I also would encourage um, um, that we um, divide the scholarship in two so that, um, and that's, that's not necessary, of course, but that way we can I delineate a male and a female in the in the terms, so to encourage, um, especially in you know, with in, in in cultures that among among families from cultures that don't encourage the education or haven't traditionally encouraged the education of women, I think that would be very important and very helpful. Sixty percent um, of our campus are women, uh, you know, so I <laughs> I think it's you know very it supportive. works both ways about having one of each because as yeah. you say, most college campuses these days it's a majority of women, right? And yet there right. are cultures that don't necessarily tend to educate That's their true. female That's children. True. So we but again, it's very supportive. Of, yeah. you know, in terms of an environment. So. Yeah, so yeah. we want to have a balance, and I think yeah. this is the and best And that's really to up to it. you in terms of when we begin. If, if, if this proposal is successful, um, we'll, we'll, we'll go off and we'll work out the details of that. But the donor drives a lot of the details. So, you know, we're very receptive to setting it up, um, you know, however uh, the donor or the representatives of the donor as a, you know, amalgam um, want. And, and to answer the, the last question you had, mm -hmm. or the first question, which I'll come back to, I guess, is, uh, is representation in mm -hmm. terms of deciding on the scholarship. The scholarship would probably live in the uh, alumni office. We have the most flexible means of bringing a donor in. Scholarships can be at a college. They can be with the um, Office of Equal um, Opportunity. They can be with the Enrollment Services. They can be with financial aid. They can live in different places. Most of those places tend to um, uh, oversee scholarships where, that have been set up where the donor had, did not have an interest in being involved in the process. The best thing to do is for it to be in my office, which then allows the donor, because we already have about seven of them set up um, from alumni and a couple of friends, not just alumni actually, but a couple of friends, uh, families who have been parents, et cetera. Um, and they are involved in the, uh, in the decision, uh, usually one representative from the, uh, from the donor organization or the donor himself or herself. Excellent. Jordana? Yeah, I, this um, 
I have to admit that I did not take a tax law class in law school, but I have a question. It's, sure. It might be a dumb question, but in any event, uh, if if the MTA were to make this donation, there's not going to be any tax on the on the on the monies either coming or going, right? So so there's not going to be any cost to the MTA. And not, not only is there no tax uh, because the MTA is a is not a not, is not a for-profit entity. Right. So there is no tax from for-profit to, for, to from a not-for-profit to a not-for-profit. But most importantly, this is one of the few scholarships are one of the few endowments at an institution, any institution, but and not, this isn't the case for all institutions, but certainly at San Francisco State and pretty much at the UCs, scholarships are usually, and they certainly are at SF State, exempt from gift fees and administrative and management fees. We just don't think that's fair when we're trying to help students get through school, you know, so. Thank you. As opposed to a chair in chemistry or that type of thing, so. Vice President Brazel. Yes, I, I have a few things for discussion. Um, thank you. Very great presentation. But I have one question about criteria. Um, since it's a public uh, college, do you have any requirements about residency in the city um, for the families or the people we, we applying? Do, we do not. Okay. Um, ha half of our um, students come from other parts of California internationally and from other parts of the United States. No, I meant for the scholarship criteria. No, but they, they, okay. would, they would be subject to the same, you know. Uh, in fact, you can actually restrict it to San Francisco if you want, but I don't think that probably serves this population, this, this family. So I, I, think, I think I would recommend that we don't do that. And then just to follow that, you will have um, some recommended criteria, but um, it wouldn't hold up establishing the scholarship well. People are putting the criteria in place, um, and that would be for discussion here of who would be appropriate to set it in place. Okay, oh, yeah. thanks. Yeah, I'd be happy to come back. Any other commissioners have questions before we go to public comment? Okay. Thank you. I do have Thank you. Should I? Yeah. This is my first time at a commission. Should I sit or oh. stay? Yeah. <laughs> you can uh, stay. We're going to invite people to public comment, so why don't okay. you stay in the front row. Sure. If they want to berate you, you know, directly, they can do that, or if they want to say something Here. nice, you're right there. Basically, what we have before us tonight is a resolution. Since we don't have enough time to administer this, we have only two more minutes, is just a resolution urging MTA to use the money for this purpose, and it would be up to them over the next few months to uh, actually enact this program and working with San Francisco State and some other entity to administer a, a benefits fund. So uh, that's what's before us tonight. We're, it's on for information and discussion, and it'll be on for a final vote uh, at our final meeting on the 24th. So. I'll take public comment now. I, I just wanted to say one. I didn't want him standing there as, oh, yeah. as you'd say okay. something. The, the only, um, I don't want to stand in the way. I think this is a great idea. I, I'm very much in favor of the scholarship program. And I think to, the only um, challenge I think would be is if you allowed a college of your choice, you know, to the applicants, because I know that would increase administration. We wouldn't have the administration set up, ready to go. You know, it would have to be done. That's my only regret, because there are other schools like USF and other schools that are wonderful, too. And no offense, I like all the schools, and I'm more than happy to vote for a scholarship fund uh, as a use of, of the monies. I just... Um, when I say that's so that I, I, I participate with a number of schools and scholarships and I want them to know I'm not sliding right. them in the least. <laughs> I, I think um, when I first started looking at this a few months ago, that's the first thing you have to decide is whether you want to donate the money directly to a college or whether you want to have a third party administer your fund. And it just turns out that having a third party administer the fund, you have to pay them fees. 
you do have more flexibility in terms of where the student can go, and so it does have that advantage. But it seems to me like the money goes further when you actually donate it directly to the college because 100% of that money then goes to paying that student's tuition. So that was an issue that first came up. I just wanted you to know that we thought about that. And, uh, so. and also time is of the essence. Uh, so uh, I don't know if other schools were pursued to say, okay, we'll put some funds here and some funds here. Yeah. Of course, then that doesn't give the growth potential of a scholarship fund. Right. So as I said, I'm, I'm ready for this Excellent. one. There are just other options. Thank you. Okay, Jane, Commissioner Bowling. How long for public comment? Yeah, public comment for uh, one minute. I, I don't know how serious the uh, alternate proposal was for a funeral fund, but certainly any time. Yeah. Just, it's not an alternate proposal, it's and. Yeah. It's oh, both. and. It's both. Oh, okay. So it's $80,000. The plan is about $60,000 for this fund and about 20000 for an accidental death benefit fund. Well, maybe you, well, we should discuss that part of it, too, before public comments so the public yeah, is aware. That's, it's yeah. in the, it's oh. actually in the resolution that it's both. Do you, do you want to We'll give you your time so back. Yeah, we'll give you your time do you want back. to talk among yourselves first and then no, open I up think to I us? just wanted to clear that up that oh, okay. you didn't think that we were choosing one or the yeah. other over the other. Okay. okay. Well, well, actually, if we're going to discuss the whole resolution, we should discuss not just the scholarship side but also this side, too. I mean, right. just to be fair. And I don't have yeah. any, like, expert witness on that one. Okay. I've done a little bit of research. These things are generally, you set up a fund at a bank or something, and then I think it could be, you know, administered through the MTA that they would be the ones who would make the decision <coughs> on, on uh, you know, whether this money should be released or not. It's a very kind of a general recommendation right now, and a lot of the mm -hmm. details would need to be worked out, but it's something that is quite often set up these types of uh, benefit funds. So actually, if we, um, w if we believe in both of these good ideas, which I do, mm -hmm. um, the only issue uh, at hand, um, if you believe in both, is uh, what percentage goes to each. Right. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Now you can start all over again, Jane. Okay. Like. And, and another question would be how the funeral fund would be administered and, and, uh, and, and how the funds would be dispersed, whether from the, the capital or whether from the interest of it. Uh, I would be interested in knowing that. But I think uh, it's a marvelous idea to, of course, invest in our children. And as a parent, and especially now as a grandparent, uh, these things are extremely important to me. And I think also the fact that it would be going to our public university in San Francisco, uh, which has always been uh, one of our biggest community assets, I think is a big plus for it. And I encourage you. Thank you. Right on, Jane. If there's anyone else who would like to speak on this, you could just line up and otherwise. Uh, good evening, Commissioners, Robert Chisana. Um, I have great misgivings about the second half of your proposal. I think that you are going to find that not you, but the inheritors of this will get into one big mess with a death benefit. Because is it for drivers? Is it for medallion holders? Is it for pre-Ks, post-Ks, the new kind of proposals that are coming out? This, you're saying this is a death benefit for the other people the $20,000. And I think it would be much better if you didn't muddy the waters, gave all the money to a scholarship fund. And the only slight thing that I worry about is you're saying one girl, one boy. So in a particular year, 
two boys apply and no girls, does that mean hard luck? Uh, the truth is there might be dozens of people who apply any given year, and it, it really can only go to one person. So that question would be that, you know, would be the answer to that. As to your first point, there is no differentiation between medallion holders or A-card holders. Anyway, that's a benefit fund for someone who's killed in the line of duty as a cab driver, no, you know, notwithstanding his uh, medallion ownership status. Mark, did, did you want to answer anything? We asked you that, I think, at our meeting, so maybe you can speak to the response, not as to the, uh, you know, status issue, but as to whether, you know, two boys apply and that's it. We can decide whether to have one scholarship or two scholarships. Uh, there's enough funding there to make uh, where, uh, you know, a 30000 generating a th a th around $1,000 or so would be impactful. So would six, so would 60000 generating about $2,000. So either way, you know, it makes a big difference in a $5,000 tuition bill. Um, <clears throat> so that said, and that's really for, you know, all of us to decide, um, that said, there is no technical restriction on a male or a female. Um, in fact, state law doesn't allow that. What we can do to encourage females, and this is something we've talked about, and we don't have to do this, but to, to encourage females, we can mention in the, in the uh, wording of the, of, the, uh, of the scholarship agreement, that, uh, which is what the scholarship is, application is based upon, we can mention male and female, that, that, the, that the scholarship, the taxi uh, driver's fund scholarship will be directed to, um, will be available to males and females or boys and girls from who, who are dependent or children of the taxi driver, you know, that kind of thing. We can't say one or the other. Uh, that's actually against the state law. So just to point that out. Okay. Thanks. Anyone else want to speak on this agenda item? Is there anyone else? Is there anyone after Tariq? Otherwise, he'll be the last speaker. Good evening, Commissioners. Tariq Mahmood. A great, wonderful idea to give the children a future. The question is, how much is the tuition fees at the moment in the state university a year? And how much is scholarship going to be per year? And what is the course of, like, how much money will go out of this uh, money every year and how much money will come back in the future. So how this money is going to be, you know, what's the course of, so is it 5,000 scholarship a year, if, how long it will last? So could you give some information about that? Thank you. I think, Mr. Keller, you said it was 5,000 a year about right now? Tu tuition next year is estimated to be around $5,000, tuition and fees. We call them fees on the state level, but it's tuition, essentially. And this scholarship will be perpetual. We manage the scholarship in a way so that the, unless the donor asks otherwise, our, our default, and certainly the way we almost always proceed, is to manage the scholarship so that it will be perpetual. So that means that in a typical year, you know, the way we manage our funds, which are relatively conservative, if we have a 6 or a 7 or an 8 percent, usually not more than that because we manage our funds conservatively, that's why in this time of loss we've only, we've lost very little, relatively speaking. Um, say if we have a 6 or 7 or an 8 percent increase in the value of the fund, 
about three or four, maybe sometimes in a really good year, 5% would be. It's all on a scale relative to the amount of funding. That's, and then there's also a guaranteed amount of funding on a certain level because we, because we, we do that with scholarships and then we make it up with other kinds of funds in terms of managing the cost of the funds. So, so we, there's a minimum amount that's, that, that's, that's pretty much guaranteed, generated, um, and that would probably be minimum around 3%. Um, but it's most most often between 3.5 and 4.5 percent, um, and then the other then the balance of that is rolled back into the fund as as a, as you would with a mutual fund. Right. It's rolled back in, and that grows the fund, that grows the scholarship. On top of that, that base will be preserved, and then on top of that, we hope through working with Paul and others, um, other taxi drivers, their families, also other alumni from who give to the general scholarship fund we can direct funding from that, too, into any of the scholarships, to, and that, that helps cover the costs. This is the seed to start something. It's an endowment, and we intend to have it out there and have the taxi community be aware of it and so that it can direct money over, over the years. And as long as there are children of San Francisco taxi drivers, this scholarship will be in place. It'll be something and hopefully that this, grow that this commission created. We, we, so. we will we will we will have a we'll have opportunities to for uh, uh, for taxi drivers and their families if they happen to own a home to you know to will their homes. This will be one of those kinds of funds that will be there for them, however they want to contribute and support it. It would be about two thousand a year, though, right? That would go right now, but that will grow because the fund will grow. Yeah. Okay. But it will grow in pace with tuition, most likely. But that would be the – just to clarify that, I think it was part of the question. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> just, just to clarify, that was part of the question, that yes. it would be $2,000. So that's almost right, – Right now, with correct. the current rates, that would be about $2,000 on the 60000 So that's – That would be more if it were the 80000 of course, but, you know. So that's about 50 – almost 50 percent of the tuition. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Just about to clarify. 40, about 40% of the tuition. Right. Yeah. Okay. Is there anyone else that would like to speak on this? Yes, sir. We put a lockbox on this if the state can't, yeah, you know, take this money or the city or the community or it would violate we would it would violate every agreement we have with all the donors. And so the for hundred years do anything donors, illegal you know, on so. this. Can those of you in the side please find seats, or we have an overflow room at 416. If you have a seat next to you, please raise your hand so that everyone can be seated. Here's two empty seats for a gentleman okay. coming in. Yeah, the whole conversation was about like the death uh, if somebody got injured in a job and he died, about if somebody got, you know, like injured and he couldn't work but he didn't die, so that will cover his family too, like he got disabled. It isn't intended to cover because disability. disabled person and <clears throat> dead person almost the same. They cannot get or in If we had two or three million dollars to work with, I think we would have probably set up something like that. But we had a limited amount of money, and we wanted it really only for these catastrophic, really tragic events. We right. just, you know, twenty thousand dollars is not that much to really cover any kind of a disability fund for any number of drivers, so it was, it was a limited amount of money that we had to use in, in a way that was going to be <coughs> as appropriate as possible. But I appreciate, you know, your sense. Because as you know, Commission, like all taxi cab drivers, nobody have insurance. I understand. You know, that's something okay, they thank should you. consider. Thank you. Is there anyone else who wants to speak on this agenda item? This will be agendized for our last meeting for a vote on making this recommendation to MTA. Okay, thank you. Next item. Um, no. Oops. May I Mr. suggest Bergen, yes. some changes yes. um, based on public comment? Yes. Okay, um, in the resolve section, 
uh, where it says uh, for the children of San Francisco taxi drivers that would award, I would put in, t in anticipation that this will grow. Instead of one, I would put uh, scholarships with, with an S in parentheses, so it could either be scholarship or scholarships per year, to a deserving applicant or a qualified deserving applicant or something like that instead of one scholarship to a male and one to a female since we've been told that's not legal. And then um, under the further resolved, um, I would put a final line that just said um, because we have 60%, no, 80% going to the scholarships and 20% going to the 75-25. Um, I would put for a very last line um, of future funds to be divided equally between the two or what percentage do we want because there will be future funds to direct them on that. You don't think, think there'll well, be future I think, funds? Well, I, I got some <laughs> direction from our city attorney's office that we should make a recommendation for any money that we've collected and that oh. leave any future, at, at least in terms of the taxi wrap program. Okay. And that's why I think the scholarship fund we can, you know, individuals can contribute to. But uh, I think what we're doing now is making a recommendation for the okay. amount of money that we've collected up to this point. I but would I would go, I would go for like making a 75% in the first one, 25% in the second one. And I, I think right now, you know, it's probably we don't have enough for that. For you know, you don't want to dilute it too far by giving out you know, like 10 scholarships of $100 each or something, but. I understand what you're saying, that if it does grow, that it might be an idea that we could have multiple yeah, scholarships. So I, would, I didn't want to say just one scholarship a year, because if you're only getting $2,000 off $60,000, i am telling you, with living expenses and all that, 2000 is well needed by someone attending a school. But I didn't want to just say one scholarship. I think that gives a little flexibility for what to grant in any year, if you have it both signifying singular or plural. Let me uh, talk to our director in the next, before we finalize yep. this resolution and see if we can. And then find you can some come language. up with the percentages. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. okay. Anyone else? Okay. Next item. Okay. The next item is going to be the consent calendar, yes. right? Pursuant yes. to our taking the agenda out of order. This is an action item, and uh, I have a special message to read. All matters listed here under constitute a consent calendar are considered to be routine by the Commission and will be acted upon by a single roll call vote of the Commission. There will be no separate discussion of these items unless a member of the Commission so requests. In which event, the matter shall be removed from the consent calendar and considered as a separate item. And um, Commissioners, uh, this is, um, I'm sure you would like to have items B and C uh, severed. Yes, B and C. I'd also like to have, um, well, we have items in um, D2 and uh, E5 and E3, which need to be severed because of uh, conflict, because right. of two commissioners. Recusals, yes. Recusals. And um, just uh, as to item D, you will see several starred items. So items D3 through D15, those will need to be, you will need to waive notice as to those items. Um, so those will need to be severed so that you can vote to waive notice and then vote on the items. And just to clarify, that's because Delta Cab has gone defunct. And these, these yeah, just to clarify, um, basically uh, the owner of Delta Cab, uh, David Van Sadley, passed away, as I announced at the last meeting. And um, his company, 
um, Delta Cab, which we had a, an extensive meeting at last year about this and the ownership of uh, Delta Cab and, um, you know, what the commission records showed as to that. Uh, David Van passed away. So um, as a result, the medallion holders are moving. Unfortunately, one person is going from Delta to Luxor. Unfortunately, that individual appears um, on the notice. My understanding is he, he, yeah, he is on the notice calendar as B1. It's very unfortunate that he did not make it on due to rules that uh, you announced at the, uh, rather, that have been in effect and that Tom Owen so nicely clarified for us at the last meeting. If someone appears on the notice calendar, due to your own rules, they unfortunately cannot be moved to the consent calendar. But people who've never appeared on the consent calendar before, but, or rather never appeared on the notice calendar before, but now appear on the consent calendar, you can waive notice. So it's unfortunate, but that is the rule. And uh, unfortunately, Mr. Schaefer put his application in some time ago and went on the notice calendar. But everybody else is on the consent calendar. Well, he's probably waited 20 years anyway, so he, uh, <laughs> a few more weeks. Well, he's he's just doing a color scheme change. Oh. He's not doing a he's not getting a medallion, yeah. But okay. no, it's only 15 years now, yeah. actually, yeah. But small okay, constellation. So I'll uh, take public comment on the consent calendar. Is there anyone who wants to comment on the consent calendar for one minute? Good evening, commissioners. Charles Rathbone on behalf of Luxor Cab, and re are referring to items B2 and D. Five, I believe uh, these are Orlando David and uh, Doug Wong and uh, Luxor Cab uh, enthusiastically uh, uh, welcomes these uh, gentlemen. Hope we have uh, many happy years together and uh, urge you to uh, a vote in favor. Thank you. Uh, Richard Heibels, Metro Cab. I want to commend to you Mr. Sen and Mr. Atal. Mr. Sen and I started, not started, we worked together way back in 1986. Mr. Atal worked for me for 13 years straight. Nobody deserves a medallion any more than these two guys ever. What re really concerns me, it just astonishes me that there is a plan afoot that they would get a chance to buy the medallions after waiting years and years. And I hope once this commission is dissolved, you'll do what you can to stop that from happening. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I first have a quick question. Are the items uh, that have been severed, will there be separate public comment on those? Uh, there may be on B, on B and C. Okay, but yes. I'll, I'll wait then until yes. that's called. Good evening, Mark Smith, Lecture Cab. Uh, I want to welcome uh, Douglas Wong to the, uh, the the Lecture family. He's going to be a great addition. I'd like to also mention about Orlando David. Orlando David did his time on the ramp taxis. He was a great ramp taxi driver, and now he got his uh, regular medallion, and he deserves it. Also, like to ask about the, the commission, especially Jordana. Uh, were, were the fees waived for these all these drivers? Now, is the fee going to be waived for? Uh, for uh, uh, Eric Schaefer. Yes, I, I want to I, thank you for bringing that up. Um, I did authorize, this has happened in the past when Union Cab closed down um, when, when the commission revoked its permit in 07. Um, then Director Machen waived the fees for all the medallion holders who had to suddenly you know, get out of their similar situation here. There was no management um, because of issues going on at, at the lot, which have nothing to do with, with Mr. Smith. 
So I waived all of the color scheme change fees for the Delta Cab medallion holders. I did that without commission approval, but I felt like it was the right thing to do, and I will do it for Mr. Schaefer. We're going to get him a refund. Unfortunately, he did it a long time ago before this came up. He was already planning to leave, but we will get him a refund in accordance with the policy. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. And just for those of you who don't have a seat, the room 415 down the hall is open with a live feed. Is it 416? 416. 416 down the hall is open. There's lots of seats in there. And there's Raise your hand seat. if you have an empty seat next to you. If you want to, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's fine. If you want to speak, then you should stay in this room. Make sure you don't lean against the uh, thing there. There's a button on the wall. Okay, um, so we'll take the consent calendar. Uh, we've severed B, C, D2, E3, and E5. Is that right? Um, D3 through 15, you have to vote to waive your noticing. Okay. Okay, I think oh, we'll. Yeah, I'd like to do that first. If we can uh, vote on section D3 to waive the notice calendar. A motion to waive the notice for items D3 through 15. Is there a second? Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. That motion passes. Okay, so now I'm going to take a motion for all the items that are not severed. Is there a motion for that? Oh, well, I'm, I move to there a second? <laughs> approve. Second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? Motion passes. Okay, now we'll do, we've severed section B, so uh, Director Thigpen. I don't think you voted on D2 wait, wait. Yeah. and E3 as well. And you, those are, um, Commissioner Breslin would need to do uh, E3. Yeah, we're starting, we're back at the top though. But why don't we? No, let's do right. Okay, yeah. let's go to D2, go ahead. And that's actually Commissioner uh, Benjamin needs to recuse. So, so is there a motion on D2? I make a motion on D2 and E5. Okay. Second? Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Motion passes. Okay. Then um, I'd like to receive a motion on E3. Motion to approve. Thank you. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Okay. You know, I'm going to read these people's names. When, you, when I read your name, why don't you stand up? Bairam Al-San, Mr. Sun, Jean Ju, Sukadev Atal. Yuri Smith-Levisky, Orlando David, Alexander Malinsky, and Mohsen Hassan. Congratulations. I'm really going to miss that part of this job, i got to say. Okay, Jen, if you've received your medallion and you don't want to hang out, anyone wants to leave, just please do so quietly, okay? Okay, before we do that, um, there is too many people at the door, and for yeah. fire reasons, we absolutely, I understand people want to speak, but we cannot have people at the door. So, please raise your hand if you have an empty seat next to you. Okay, several people do. Everyone needs to go into the overflow room, and then as we call uh, the item, would you, would you like to have comment cards, and then you can call the names in order, because it's, we have a lot of people apparently that want to speak. You don't have any comment cards? Yeah. All right. That's unfortunate. So as okay. a result, everyone will just have to wait in 416. Yeah, I'm sorry. We just we can't have anyone in, in the room blocking the door. So um, the item B. Anybody who is in the other room will be and who wants to speak will also be allowed to speak. So please just come in and settle in or else move into 416. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Agenda item B, Director Thickman. Yes. Item B of the consent calendar is uh, I'll just give a brief introduction of how this process works with regards to uh, qualification hearings. 
a process that we started in July of 2008. Uh, when I became director, we decided, the commission voted to have uh, hearings. I'm sorry, could we have okay, quiet an really audience, to, please? Uh, not have any, because there's so many people in the room, you really can't speak at all because it really echoes around. So thank you. If you need to speak, please go out in the hallway or down to the other room. Thanks. Last July, the commission authorized uh, qualification hearings for applicants. That's because um, quite often issues would arise with regards to particular applications and would occupy quite a bit of hearing time during the consent calendar. Um, additionally, sometimes there's factual questions about an application. Um, on occasion, it's uh, missing documents such as waybills or missing driver's license or miss all kinds of things. Every case is different. Other cases, uh, there's fraud alleged um, or perhaps uh, potentially could be, but there needs to be a hearing to resolve it. Sometimes when we have the hearings, um, what has happened, having had a couple now, several um, that we've had, since this process was instituted. Occasionally, as in the case of one case tonight, the commission simply has no information either way to resolve the issue and, and doesn't, you know, we're not taking a position on, on any information, we're leaving it to the hearing officer. On other occasions, however, the commission does have information that we believe demonstrates a particular set of facts and we are going to be advocating that, in fact, that's, that's what the position is. And that is the case with the other case that's on tonight. So, um, you know, that's why there's a discrepancy in the style of presentation and what happens. Um, the process at MTA is going to be very different than this. There will not be a commission to review these. It will go from the hearing officer to the Board of Appeals. There will still be qualification hearings and a hearing officer will make a decision, but it will not go to the commission for review. This is really a second layer of review right now here at the commission. So. Uh, people are free to, um, you know, present their case as far as the individual applicants that are here this evening. And, of course, if um, people want to speak during public comment, I believe you're going to be authorizing that. So with that being said, I'll just um, give a brief uh, overview of Ms. Rosenberg's, Hearing Officer Rosenberg's decision regarding item B, which is Mr. Dev Narawat. Now, um, this hearing occurred October 3rd, 2008. And... Um, Mr. Uh, Mr. Narwat has an attorney who I haven't been in contact with, but I believe is here this evening. Um, I have received some communication from that attorney and um, items Mr. have been... Mr. Narwat and his attorney here tonight? Okay, why don't you guys come in the front seat here. If you could open up a couple of seats in the front row for the gentleman and his lawyer. Thank you. Okay. So... Um, Basically, in July, Mr. Narwat submitted an application. Um, he had his hearing on October 3rd, and um, the commission um, demonstrated, we, we believe that we demonstrated some discrepancies with his waybills. Um, an extensive investigation was conducted into this matter. Uh, basically, Mr. Narwat is a, um, an owner of a, uh, an auto body shop that is located in another city and um, the commission staff, not myself personally, but other members of my staff, went out to that shop on several occasions. Um, we found that Mr. Narwat was there um, on a daily basis, which in and of itself obviously isn't a bad thing, um, but coupled with discrepancies in his waybills, and by comparing his waybills to other records that we have, we um, found some serious discrepancies severe enough that we felt that he should not be issued a medallion. We then held the hearing 
with Officer Rose, hearing Officer Rosenberg, and um, she, her decision is attached, and you can review it for yourself. I won't belabor the points that are in it. But essentially, uh, she found that he had not established that he fulfilled the full-time driving requirement for 2007, um, that we had established by a preponderance of the evidence standard, which is what is required in administrative hearings, that Mr. Narwat fabricated at a minimum 33 waybills. I want to emphasize at a minimum was her statement. 25 of the 33 waybills were from January through May of 2007. Um, and she compared laboriously, um, spent quite a bit of time comparing the records and went over these records in detail. Um, and uh, she recommended that he... Uh, she also talked. I'm sorry. She also talked about um, 2006, and there she found that uh, Mr. Narwat had not established by a preponderance of the evidence that he complied with the full-time driving requirement for 2006, and that the commission had established by a preponderance of the evidence that Mr. Narwat fabricated at a minimum 100 waybills for 2006. Um, now I want to also emphasize that. Uh, the burden is on the applicant here. This is not a disciplinary case. This is someone that is coming to you asking for the privilege of holding a particular type of permit. So the burden is on the applicant. The, the, it is not our burden. Um, nonetheless, uh, we have demonstrated, according to the hearing officer's recommendation to you, by a preponderance of the evidence that these waybills, some or all of them, may be fabricated, according to her decision. Um, so, once again, that is in the Municipal Police Code. I could cite this section if you feel it necessary that it is the applicant's burden to prove that they are qualified. That's a general principle of administrative law. It's also referenced in our code. So, I want to really distance you from the general uh, principles that you use in disciplinary cases. This is not that type of case. So. Um, that's pretty much all I have. Okay, and just to review, the recommendation is that... Uh, the recommendation is given the failure by Mr. Narwat to fulfill the full-time driving requirement for 2006, 2007, and 2008, and number two, the fabrication of many waybills, the hearing officer recommends that Mr. Narwat's application for a medallion P16 permit be denied. Thank you. Okay, are there any questions we have of uh, Director Thigpen before I go to... The applicant, yes. When I was reading this over, uh, the gist of the argument against his uh, qualification is based on GTU records. Is that correct? It's based on a combination of records, GTU records being one of them. Well, you indicated also in the beginning of your comments that uh, someone from your staff had seen him working in the daytime. Was there any uh, correlation between any waybills that he had filled out and that time period of when he was working? You know, I, I was actually at that hearing, and I'm, I, I would have to review the record. I don't want to misstate the evidence. I know there was substantial photographs. I don't see anything indicated in her, in her record here. I mean, she, you know, she had testimony from the investigator that, was, that participated in that. At that time, we had two investigators, and they went out there. One was training the other, so they went out there. There was substantial photographic <laughs> evidence. I cannot recall what his testimony was. Um, at the time of the hearing, there was only one, and I cannot recall what his testimony was. I don't want to misstate, so I... I can't say. Okay, so again, uh, what I see in our record is that based on the GTU records, uh, that indicates that these waybills were falsely prepared. Well, and the smart card at a certain and, and yeah. everything occurred at the airport, which uh, disqualifies these waybills. Is that correct? But what I want to also emphasize is that 
there's a factual hearing that takes place with a lot of testimony. She doesn't reference every piece of testimony, every piece of evidence in her decision. She emphasizes only certain things for whatever reason. But when she's making a decision, quite like when you make findings, you're hearing a lot of evidence, but that might not make it into the published decision, the published findings. But it's still going to weigh on your decision-making process. So I don't, you know, I know that he did testify to that. And the hearing officer would have to speak for herself as to what weight she put to that. The fact that it doesn't occur and is not stated in the decision does not mean it's not relevant to her or did not weigh upon her when she made the decision. I agree. But at the same time, we're simply accepting her recommendation if we are supposed to, like you said, this is a second review of this information. It's not a factual hearing, but it's a review of her recommendation. So the applicant has an opportunity to state why it's wrong, but it's not a factual hearing. This is not, if this were to be an evidentiary hearing, it would be very different. Okay. Any other commissioners have any questions? Okay. Mr. Narawat or your attorney, I'll give you up to five minutes if you need it. Thank you. I have submitted a written argument. I represent Mr. Narawat in this matter. This is very much like a disciplinary hearing. The hearing officer did not review three years of weigh bills. So the determination here was fraud without looking at three years of weigh bills. And that's what you're looking at. You would have to assume here that the GTU records are purely accurate in every case and that you can deny someone a medallion and impact their livelihood solely on that basis. If you look at the decision itself, there's a notation which makes reference to Daniel Borg who submitted a declaration that cab 243 was not at the airport at all from March to September 2006, a very busy tourist time, which is nearly impossible. Our position is that the transponder was inaccurate. There are duplications in the GTU records. There's this large gap of time that's unaccounted for. And also the day driver for the same cab also had discrepancies in the weigh bills which do not match the GTU records. It all points to a problem with the transponder which was never calibrated. There was a reliance on anonymous letters in this case which implicates due process, a lack of evidence of the calibration of the transponder. And all of this we believe supports a different conclusion. You would have to look at GTU records in every case involving medallions if you accept this standard and presume that transponders are always correct. I think if you look at that big gap from March to September 2006 and assume that a driver never went to the airport during that time that it would raise questions. Thank you. Are there any questions for, I'm not sure, can you repeat your name so we know your name? Mr. Narawat. Is there anything you'd like to add? I drive National Cab 243 like 10 to 12 years. I'm a long time leaseholder. But they're saying somebody used my smart card but I want to know who used my smart card. And be telling the beginning the transponder not working right but nobody listened to us. They just putting on the norm. Even they don't look the 08 Bayville here, they're sealed up. They're saying they failed to drive the 08 too. Also I have the older seat every time I pay the gate every month and I give the dispatcher to every week the Bayville. 
I have a all long time record, 10 year record. I have this cap. This cap never went anywhere else. I have a 10 year, this long time lease order. This. Every three years I buy the cap, new cap. So I don't wait, I get the money. Buy the cap. Then I work seven days a week. Five years, I never took the one day vacation. No, the commissioner issued the medallion. The new, I never saw those drivers driving the people, they're getting the medallion. I don't know how, what is going on here. I came here like a 25 years ago, this, uh, 25 years ago came in this country, because they're listening, this better country, better future. Now what they're doing to me is worse than back home. It's worse than back home. I don't know why they give me punishment. For what? I have 10 years, this lease. We can ask the cab company, I all the receipts, everything. So if I'm not working, where I can I get the money? Friday, Saturday, Sunday night. Nobody, no driver give this night. I tell in the beginning, but nobody uh, listen to us. I have a, some driver, I think like maybe 2,000 drivers, they know me. I'm very popular on the airport. Everybody, they know me. Yeah. I'm very oldest driver. Here I have a, some of my friends come, they come with me. Then I have a sign, I think like a hundred signs, people sign out for me. They know me. So I don't know what kind of proof they want for me. Every all the drivers know me. I work every weekend. I work like a four, five days a week, three days, five, six years. I never went to one day vacation. Seven days I'm crazy. I have a shop, but I have the manager. He manages the shop. I go in back and forth there, but I don't work all the time there. I, I you know, the business inside means I think 50% the medallion holder they have a business, not only me. You can check the record. What I did wrong. But I know the shop, everything, nothing doing good. I have to work both sides. I have seven people to feed. Two my parents, three kids, and uh, two parents, and yes, seven. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I think this all. Thank you. Commissioners, anyone have any questions? We have to either vote to accept this hearing officer's decision or we have to... You want to speak on public comment on this agenda item? Okay. Yeah, I'll I'd like to hear public comment vote. before. Can how I speak for this man? Uh, who, how many people want to speak on this? Okay, one minute. One minute. I see this man at the airport all the time working. I work it all the time. He's, I've seen him for years. I don't know how y'all can say he doesn't work. I've seen him for years. At the, I, I go to the airport and work all the time, too. And he's, uh, he's working all the time. I, I th This is wrong, what y'all are doing, okay, saying just, he's not so working. understand, we haven't done anything yet. Okay, okay well. Just, we're determining whether or not. But saying he has, his waggles are not right. Excuse me. To accept a recommendation from a hearing officer. Okay, this commission hasn't done anything yet. Okay, okay. well, I've so seen him working at the airport for years. Okay. And he does work, and he works. He's a hardworking man. Thank you. Next speaker. Hello, Thomas George Williams. I was very surprised to see Jeff's names on the searing officer list. I know him for six years. I meet him every weekend at the airport. I actually schedule my car repairs at the airport with him. He's a driver, and I see him all the time. Everybody knows him. So something went very wrong. For instance, the smart cards, they get mixed up. I use my girlfriend's uh, smart card for a while because there's no name on it. 
it's hard to figure that out. Or Wables got lost, apparently. Scott took some, and I don't know what went on. The transponders, yeah. Nobody checks if they work, so I don't trust this airport records, really. And who didn't lose $20 at the airport into this machine for the smart card? Gone. Thanks. Thank you. Good evening. I know this guy more than eight, nine years, and he's really a driver. He drives every weekend. I saw him myself, but it's no question. He's a driver, and she deserves a medallion. Please take care of him. Thank you. Um, I have never met this driver. I know nothing about the driver, but... The smart card question is an enormous thing. I would like to remind this commission, a few weeks ago, we talked about returning smart cards. They haven't got any names on them. I assume that I use my smart card, but I don't actually know that it's my smart card at all. I have a smart card. I put money in the machine when it works, and hopefully I get my cab through. But because of the system and because the airport has been abysmal in putting in a system that has any way that we know whether we're using our own smart card, just for that alone, you have to send Thank that you. back for rehearing with the officer. Thank you. Next speaker. Hello, Commissioner. I know this guy for the past eight years, nine years, since I took my medallion in January 1st, 2001. And I always work in the weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And this man, he work always Thursday, Friday, Saturday, as I've seen him. Probably some Sundays, I don't work on Sunday, but I know when I go to his shop to fix my car, he's not there. He have another manager work in his shop. That's all that I know. Thank, Thank you. you. Yes, I came here for the dev. I'm one of the taxi dispatcher and taxi supervisor at the airport. Uh, one call supervisor just came to tell that I know there for like almost three years. He's been driving cab at least three days, four days a week. Thank you. My name is Ali Isaiah. Okay, you, you're, uh, we'd like to have you say your name. You don't have to, but if you can, if you want to say your name, please say it at the beginning. Thank you. Uh, I'm a professional engineer and retired right now. Uh, I'm property owner. I know this gentleman, Dave, for the last four years. And uh, I wish many people are just, you know, have his ethics, truthfulness and honesty because when I heard the lady says he has a body shop he does not have a body shop he has a mechanic shop two she went to him during the day during the day he does not drive he's at the shop most of the time he drives at night time uh, now I'm testifying to his truthfulness you know this guy is not capable even of uh, fabricating one way bill when I looked at his file in his shop and I went to the airport four times to get receipts from the cashier up there. You know, I went there because I could probably... Thank you.
speak a little bit. Thank you. And we couldn't because Jordana said no receipts. Thank you. Absolutely false. My name is Cool Beer Zenda. So I'm working cab, cab driver. Sir, can you move the mic up a little bit closer? There you go. Uh, I drive a taxi to city, airport, all over the place. I know this gentleman. He working hard he, and he work at the airport. I seen sometime at the airport too, but I seen him night time at the city working. Sometimes Sunday, Friday, Saturday, I seen him many time at the airport and seen him many times and I know him long time, around 10 years. So he always working, I don't know how we find out, not working uh, anywhere, but he had a sh uh, work, uh, car repair shop. I think everybody these days hard to live in the city if not working two jobs, two things, and you know, one, some, sometimes one time, one, one job is it doesn't work right. So everybody works, working two jobs, taxi driving and in other jobs, and he have the shop job and the taxi driving job. He work in the daytime down there and night driving taxi. Thank you very much. Thank you. Next speaker. Hello, my name is Mike Tajani, Yellow Cab. I went with Dev to the hearing officer to prove that he was driving, and we could not because his transponder did not respond to the waybills, nor did his day driver's waybills correspond with the transponder. Uh, number two. We tried to get the records from the cashier. We cannot. I'm sure the commission can. So maybe that will be one good way for you to get the cashier record and compare them to his waybills. Uh, number three, when the, uh, trend, uh, when the uh, smart card was issued, uh, you drive and you know the first two, maybe to three months, you had an option to go uh, regular or go on the smart card. So that will explain why there is one of the items there that he had a smart card, but he did not use it, and it doesn't show what it shows on the way bill. Thank you. Thank you. <coughs> yeah, good evening, Commissioner. My name is Ahmed Al-Bawaya, and I'm a cab driver, uh, 9010, and truly I've been working since 1992. And I know this guy for at least 10 years. I know him. He is driving. Now I'm going just to add <coughs> one thing about the smart card. When they put the smart card, they put the corruption. Okay? It is. Because the smart card now, the, most of the drivers, they're using two cards. Okay? They use the, the, the daytime driver, they use the nighttime driver because they want to make it short. Okay, so actually the smart card is the corruption. So you cannot really just stop this guy just because the smart card. Because maybe the dead driver with his smart card, maybe he didn't put smart card. And no, and I urge you also to try to look into this matter because all drivers they use two, two smart cards. I spoke to the manager Lori, and I spoke to the airport commission there, but nothing happened. Thank you. Thank you. Honorable Commission members, fellow taxi drivers, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Vic Ridley. I've been driving a taxi here since 1973. I want to attest that the smart card system is fallible. For example, and it's happened to me, sometimes it swallows our money without giving us credit, and then we have to put it into the city treasurer for a reimbursement. And yes, I have no count as to actually how many shifts he drives, but I have seen this man driving. Thank you very much. Thank you. Hi, good evening. My name is Sayyid Afzal. I've been driving over 19 years in San Francisco. 
and this gentleman I have seen many times at the airport and in the city too and I think he can bring lot of witness driver as many as he wants thank you thank you I am a taxi driver since the last 10 year I know Devram since then he is a very honest guy and very nice person thank you next come on just speak step right up hi my name is punam narwa um i'm mr dev's daughter and um i wanted to make two points one point was that um in march 2007 my brother was diagnosed with cancer and a lot of the time my dad would have to be with him at the hospital during night times uh but if you look at those records all those records are perfectly fine if he wanted to fabricate way bills that would have been his perfect opportunity since he didn't get to work a lot and the second point is that um i think you brought it up commissioner about the gtu records and whether they were messed up in the morning time or when he was at the shop i'm not sure if that's what you were talking about but um most of the gtu records um the discrepancies were in the evening and not in the morning so he didn't claim that he worked in the morning time and that's it thank, thank you. you next speaker <clears throat> hi my name is devinder uppal i am a taxi cab driver i know dave from long time like maybe 8 9 years he's been driving cab i see him all the time at the airport and in the city also so please help him thank you thank you anyone else my name is kamil barkuki and uh, i am a medallion holder also and i know this person here he's been driving since the time i had it in the airport i see him in the city and he's been working very very hard this person is not lying about not working i don't think so thank you next speaker uh good evening commissioner uh i know davis for many years he bought the used gramaki from chicago city driving all the way down to san francisco to use for his cab instead of his old taxi that's what i saw him and then now he is uh, changing to hybrid uh, use a small hybrid by your comply with your law he's a good cab driver thank you good evening my name is ashwani ari i've been driving for 21 years and i known dave for 21 uh, years and also he's been driving over 10 years uh, he's a very good driver i see him all the time at the airport at the city uh he does have a shop but he works in the evening and sometimes daytime and uh, he's a, he does qualify please uh, take care of him thank you Bye. thank you anyone else Rashmi Mukherjee here uh, i also see the guy but i'm just surprised nobody from national cab company wants to come over and just uh, you know just testify if he pay gates if he have a receipts that he pay and i mean i think nothing against the taxi commission i understand you're doing a great job but maybe some discrepancy with the airport you see so many people complaining about it so everybody know he's a driver he's really good and on a scab driver something happened with the airport uh, records 
So I appreciate it if you make some recommendations and go back to the cab company and get some input from the company. Maybe you will get more clearance what happened with his uh, record situation. Thanks. Thank you. Good evening, Commissioners. This is to assist the Commission. I'm not going to discuss the case, but about the transponder at the airport. When any shuttle goes at the airport, transponder records its arrival, and the bill to the shuttle company regularly, nobody pay cash over there with these shuttles. They are billed and they pay the money later on. All the cabs are with transponder, <coughs> and when we go in, even just to drop, and we pass under the international terminal to get to the domestic, we are recorded automatically. So is, if the transponder is wrong, the shuttle companies should be crying by now, whereas there are hundreds of shuttles. <coughs> and if there is some issue with GTU, that could be raised by the commission with GTU. Thank you. Thank you. I don't have anything specific, but I, I used to be an official at National Cab, and I mean, I have the impression of seeing Mr. Nawat fairly frequently, which is not typical for somebody if, if he's an absentee uh, sublease. Uh, uh, that's all I can say. I mean, he was really a, a pretty familiar face, and I can't say that I remember him driving up in his cab, but uh, I, I knew people who were subleases who didn't drive their cabs, and and he just didn't impress me at all as somebody who didn't drive. He, he looked like a very hands-on person. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, good evening. My name is Bashir Rahimi. And I have a question from all of you, sir. The question is, when the time he applied to get his medallion, that's the time the law was required, only one year of waybills. Such as Jordana Techpence is a research attorney in the, C and the Superior Court and, the, and they wants to make a zigzag with a cab driver and hurting those people. Any person apply from 1992 to 2004, their contract was only one year of waybills. Why guys changing for three years? That's one question, it's a legal question for all of you. Please don't violating the people, cab driver, they're right. One person I give advice from yellow cab driver, he went to the court of law and the judge was ordered him to go get his medallion. If you are tonight violating the court orders, you've been a serious problem because of the judge was ordered the time he applied was only one year of waiver requires. All the cab drivers should be only bringing one year is waiver and that's it. Thank you very much. If anyone else wants to speak on this. Okay. So public comment is closed. Um, so uh, what should have happened actually before that public comment is that um, Tom Owen was supposed to read an admonition about public comment. Public comment is not testimony and he's going to read that um, in a moment. It's really unfortunate that they didn't okay, come to the hearing. Just a reminder that these matters have to be decided based on properly submitted evidence can't face factual determinations but necessary for your decisions on anything other than such evidence and information presented through public comment is not evidence and will not be considered by the commission for these purposes 
On the other hand, all the commission is doing at this point is deciding whether it wishes to rehear the case, and you can consider public comment for those purposes. And if the commission wanted to receive additional evidence, it was actually suggested by the attorney. He asked, well, someone from your office, I think, requested that the commission obtain some records. It's easier for us to get them. Because this was already noticed for the hearing, I didn't feel it was appropriate to introduce new evidence at this late date. But were you to ask for it to be reheard and for us to get additional evidence, of course, we would be willing to do that. Well, I've been on this commission for 10 years, and I have a little experience with things. I feel like I know a real cab driver from a phony cab driver and one who's trying to play the system for something. And I get a real strong sense from tonight that Mr. Narwhat is a real cab driver. So I'm inclined to believe that something happened here, unfortunate with the GTA records and transponders, and that this case, from what I've heard tonight, is worthy of being reheard. If not, I mean, we could grant this medallion tonight. I don't think that's the proper thing to do. I think the proper thing to do at this point is to vote to rehear it. Now, it wouldn't be us. It wouldn't be us because we're not going to rehear this next week. But it would be someone. It wouldn't be Officer Rosenberg either. It would be a new hearing officer, a completely new hearing. And I think there would be more opportunity for introducing the type of evidence, not only the character witnesses tonight, but the sort of more detailed evidence that would prove Mr. Narwhat's long-term driving, which I feel in my heart is probably true. I don't want to perpetuate a misunderstanding. I don't believe we could grant it tonight. I mean, you were saying we could grant it tonight, but City Attorney Owen, I don't think we could grant it tonight. Not under your rules. Right. Okay. I just want to make sure people don't think that's an option for us. I have one other point. I noticed also that the hearing officer never examined 2005 waybills, and why was that? If they were to be considered, why weren't they examined? I don't know. I can't answer that question. She didn't reference them in here, and I really don't want to misspeak and misstate anything, so I can't say. I mean, again, I have had so many hearings between October and now, I don't recall this one with specificity, unfortunately. Okay. And is there any way to examine these transponders to check their accuracy? I don't want to get into the issue of the transponders because the testimony that we've had here tonight is not testimony. It's anecdotal statements. No, that's a good question. It has nothing to do specifically with this, but are transponders checked for accuracy? Which transponders, the one on this vehicle or any transponder? Well, presumably the one on this vehicle, if we're using this as evidence, but in general, if we're going to consider, or not us any longer, but I mean if someone's going to consider GTU records to be evidence, are these transponders checked for accuracy? That is a question properly put to personnel from the SFO, from the airport. Well, with that, then I make a recommendation, a motion that we have this hearing, this thing reexamined. Vote to rehear? Yes. Are you saying with a letter sent to the individuals responsible for the calibration and so on? 
Well, I think that that should be in addition to our recommendation, but our recommendation should be that this be returned for a rehearing. Just to not accept the hearing officer's decision. And to right, and, and to re-examine this evidence. If, if we're going to be uh, relying on GTU evidence, let's make sure that it's accurate if we're going to determine that uh, that is what the basis is. From what I've, everything that I read that the hearing officer recommends, it's based on the airport records, smart cards, and uh, the GTU transponder. And if these things aren't calibrated properly because there's obviously uh, miscalculations here, then uh, I, I, I can't see why we can deny this. I agree. I think, it's th I think it's thin. I think it's problematic. I think what we've heard tonight gives us more than enough reason to uh, recommend a rehearing on this. So we have a motion. Is there a second? I'll second it. Uh, all in favor? I have a Aye. question. Okay, Commissioner Onetto. For his benefit, would it be easier or more time saving for him to go through the appeals or go through having this thing reheard? I think it's, well. <laughs> I, well, I, I don't want to vote to deny it. I don't want to vote to oh, well. uphold the hearing officer's decision, and that's what it would take for him to go to the Board of Appeals, and I don't want to vote to do that. I okay. think it's better for us to go back to a hearing officer. Yeah. Okay, we have a motion and a second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Motion passes. So do you understand what's happened tonight? Okay, so, sir, you. you're his counsel. What we'll do is we'll, we'll send a letter to you. It's Leung and Associates, right? Okay, I'll direct a letter to you tomorrow. Basically, we'll choose a day in March. It's mutually agreeable for both of us. And we'll ask for the records so that to save you the time and save him the time of getting them. And we'll, we'll pick a date in the future and we'll get a new hearing officer. Okay? Thank you. Thank you. Okay, it is now 8 o'clock. And we have a special order at 8 o'clock for public comment. And I know a lot of people are here for public comment. So could I see a show of hands of people who want to speak under public comment? Just raise your hand high. Yeah. Raise your hand high. Okay. Yeah, okay. That's right. And you have the other room. I understand that. <laughs> Anyone who wants to go to the bathroom, feel free. <laughs> Okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask everyone who is in the room now to speak under public comment, and then when you're finished, I'm going to ask you to go to the other room and someone else from that room who wants to speak can take your place, and we can sort of allow everybody to uh, get into this room at some point. And everyone who's spoken on the previous agenda item, you uh, are free to go quietly, and now there's a few more seats available for people. So we'll just take a second here and allow people to uh, file out if they need to. Yeah, everything is being... Yeah, there are, just for those of you who are in room 416 right now, there's quite a few more seats in our uh, room 400 right now. So if you need to come in, go ahead and do that. And just... And if you need to speak, please go outside in the hallway and try not to have conversations inside here. And again, just before we begin public comment, for those of you who weren't here at the beginning, uh, and Mary, you might want to listen to this. Again, for those of you who weren't here at the beginning, uh, I know that quite a few people are here to speak about a proposal that was discussed at the Charter Reform Committee. Uh, I can't hear you over them. I'm sorry, please, can we shut the door and uh, can we shut that door? Sorry you don't have gap. <laughs> I know. 
Okay, again, just so everyone understands, uh, it's not on the agenda tonight. The Charter Reform Committee did not make, did not request that anything be brought forward. The idea was, uh, I don't want to speak for either the chair, Malcolm Heineke, or the co-chair, Bruce Oka, but uh, my sense was that there wasn't any proposal that they were going to bring forward at this time, so they requested that we did not put the uh, Charter Reform's recommendation on our agenda. However, I know that a lot of you are here to speak about that issue, so uh, that's what this period now is for, for public comment. So I'm just going to allow people to line up, and you can speak one at a time, and we'll go for one minute, so please. Good evening, Commissioners. Charles Rathbone, representing Luxor Cab. Uh, we presented to the uh, one of the committees of the MTA this morning a proposal uh, by Luxor Cab for revising the medallion system. I provided copies for you, and there are copies for the public over on the table. If anyone uh, watching on TV wants a copy, uh, please email me at charles at luxorcab.com. So uh, at the heart of this proposal is an optional uh, right of transfer, which a medallion holder would purchase for $50,000. Uh, he would uh, then be grant, he or she would then be granted a right to transfer a permit at a future time, uh, for instance, at an auction. Uh, commissioners, uh, only a few seconds left, but I, I certainly hope that all of you uh, will uh, stay involved in this process as it moves forward and will uh, give your uh, your expertise and your, your thoughts to uh, a revision of the medallion system. Thank you. Thank you, and I'd like to thank Charles for your attendance and your work on that uh, committee and all the time that you put in. And we now have another speaker who is also a member of the committee who uh, uh, I'd like to just acknowledge, Rich Heibel, and the time and effort that you put into that too. So, Rich. Well, I'm, I'm pleased to say that I've had some conversations with Mr. Heineke, who's really listened hard to the people that uh, showed up at our last committee meeting and I think he's going to considerably modify his ideas and I really hope so because I, I'm just absolutely appalled at the idea that at 64 I'm going to buy my medallion back or that people like these guys tonight who waited 20 years to get their medallions would have to buy it from somebody. The city and county of San Francisco has over 9,000 employees that make over $100,000 a year hundreds and hundreds of them double their salary every year. I suggest looking for money in that direction, not from a bunch of people that couldn't possibly make $60,000 a year. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Okay. Okay, hang on just a second. Okay, everybody got their clapping in. Now, what I want to say is, is that in the 10 years we've had this commission, we've never allowed clapping because... What it does, it tends to intimidate speakers, and it makes it sort of into a contest of who can rabble-rouse the most. So, and people might not have the same opinions on things. So we don't want to put that type of a, you know, atmosphere into the room now. So you may agree with what's being said tonight, but I'm really not going to allow any clapping. So anyone who, who claps will just ask you to leave. So I know that you have strong feelings about this, and you may agree with the speakers, but we're just not going to allow any clapping. Okay, thanks. My name is Amjad Daoud with Royal Cab, uh, number 1034. Uh, I'm just going to compare like taxi cab permit medallion to a liquor license, the one the city issues as the taxi cab medallion a long time ago. If the time comes now and they said each one person have a liquor store and he could sell liquor in his business because he have a liquor license, we're going to take it out and sell it in auction as they're going to do in the medallion. 
I don't think that would be fair to all these businesses there in the city. And the purposes of the medallion to serve the public as a transportation, the purpose of the liquor license to serve the public buy liquor from a store. It's like same kind of business, same issues, and I don't think there is any way, you know, the city will take those liquor licenses back because they want to make more money in the city. They could take it away if somebody do a violation, somebody doesn't do his requirement, they could take it, no problem, but if a driver do all his requirement, the one the city asking to do, he's supposed to keep his medallion. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. We'll go really fast if the next speaker can be really like right up here, ready to speak as soon as the next one Hi. finishes. Uh, Mustafa Sayyid, the medallion holder is 179. Uh, this is my 21st year of driving. Uh, but what I'm saying is like uh, there should be exit strategy. And uh, I have uh, family members of seven that I'm feeding uh, in this taxi driving. So do something that I, we don't get hurt at the same time city get, get covered. So make it something reasonable. So do not put, put like seven people with me on the street. And I will appreciate that. Thank you. Next speaker. Uh, Good evening, Commissioners. Um, I want you to remind every medallion holder and, for that matter, taxi driver that the end of this Commission, after all, you only have one more meeting, is going to be continued by the MTA. And I was particularly happy uh, that you sent out letters reminding people about disability this year and I wanted to thank Jordana for that and I wanted to really remind people we go through this every year of people putting off the decision of if they think they are unable to fill the driving requirement then the time to do it is now you don't wait until the end of December and then say, oh, I'm terribly sorry, I couldn't make it because I was sick. So that's one issue. Thank you. Next speaker. Good evening, Commissioners. Uh, my name is Abyssin Surakal, and uh, I received this medallion last week. And uh, this is very precious to me, you know. It's all I worked my whole life. And uh, here and there, talking about selling this medallion, you know. Um, for me, this is a death warrant to me, you know. Um, what we are doing here is debating how to die. You know, uh, like you have lethal injection or you, ha you, you can uh, put to sleep or whatever, you know. The, the, the uh, final thing is, we are going to die in this. And I mean, uh, it is, I am very nervous and uh, I'm losing sleep uh, on this. And please, I am begging, don't let this happen. Uh, this, is, uh, this is very bad. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you. Next speaker. Um, so the, the, the Committee on uh, Charter Reform met uh, for eight months, and at the final meeting, a resolution was made 
And there were three items that were to be included in the resolution as to three different plans. One was from Heineke, one was from MHA, and one was, of course, from UTW. Whether you agree with any of these plans or against them, the fact that the vote was taken and was sent up to you means that that should be heard today here because that's what the chair said would happen today. And the chair also said at that meeting that's what was going to happen with this proposal. It was going to go to the TC for final view. So what we've had is a couple people got together after the fact and decided they didn't want to present it to this committee, which means all those public members who took part in that process are basically to go screw yourself because the eight months you spent here doesn't really mean anything because I and somebody else has decided to pull this matter. And this is the way this committee has acted for ten years. Very arbitrary. If you call this democracy, well, you're living in another planet. Are you going to answer me? Next speaker. Glenn Mack, 782. The costs of living have gone up about five times in the last 30 years since I've been driving cab. The meter rates have gone up two and a half times. We're making a lot less money than we used to make, even with the medallion piece. My buying power is less than it was 30 years ago. You couldn't raise a family on this money. The point that was made about city employees make $100,000, et cetera, well taken. The voters passed Proposition K by referendum, and for the last 30 years, more or less, that law has governed the taxi cab industry. The city and county of San Francisco has administered that law and compelled compliance to it in both spirit and letter. I had to take an oath, raise my hand, comply to that law, spirit and letter. The change that we're talking about is a total trashing of the intent of that law, which was to put medallions into the hands of single owner drivers. Thank you. Thank you. And just, just to make clear, this taxi commission is not making any recommendation, any change of any policy that was discussed or came, that was, came before the Charter Reform Commission. This taxi commission has supported the principles of Prop K and issued medallions to individual working drivers every single minute that I've been on this commission. So I want to make that clear to everyone here tonight. And the reason it's not on our agenda tonight is because the chair and the co-chair of the Charter Reform Committee requested that it not be on the agenda because they no longer are supporting it. So again, I just want to say that again so people understand. Thank you. Hi, it's my belief that no transfer proposal is going to fly unless it includes all interest groups, including drivers, which to my knowledge none but mine includes. If you're interested in mine, you can email me at jboig768 at gmail.com. Finally, this is the last meeting I'll be able to attend because next, two weeks from now, I'll be in dress rehearsal for a play called The Eye of the Puppet, The Case of the Sleepwalking Streetwalker. And I'm neither the puppet nor the streetwalker, but I am a member of the cast. And we'll be having performances the evening February 25th through 28th at the lab at 2948 16th Street and matinee performance Sunday, March 1st. I hope you all can be there. It would be lovely seeing you. We really need to. Thank you. We really need to stick to matters within the jurisdiction of the commission. Well, I hope the whole commission then can come and make it a matter within your jurisdiction. Thank you. Thank you.
And I'm sorry to hear you won't be here in two weeks, but yeah. I want to thank you, ex-Commissioner Bolick, for all the work you've done in the last 10 years. Thank you. Thanks. Next speaker. There's another yellow cap. It seems like it's planned very well, you know, getting rid of tax commission and we combined with MTA and then the medallion is for sale now. Uh, I don't know what's the difference between me get, coming to the city hall, getting a permit to open a coffee house, and then be called by the city uh, two years later and they want to sell me that permit. There is no, there is, I don't see any difference. I pay my annual fees, I pay my fees and everything. So I'm again selling medallions and auctioning them. A guy would be a wealthy guy in Russia, uh, serial drivers, you know, on behalf of him, auctioning for those medallions. And it's just going to be problems. And in my opinion, and, uh, I, I, I'm against it and that's it, period. Thank you. Next speaker. Well, I'm here for uh, actually my personal problem. Um, my name is Stephen Lee. And, Please, uh, can we? Okay, thank you. My name is Stephen Lee, and uh, I'm supposed to be a uh, last uh, calendar on a uh, 27 B6. So I don't know what's the reason. You know, my medallion wasn't on hold. And, you know, I don't have no idea. You know, I was stopped by the you know, commission office you know, a few times, and all the information I got was uh, under investigation. So that's all you know, I have. So I just want to know that you know, I spent all this time you know, driving out there, spent you know, all this time, you know, just like you know, all the effort I made, you know, after all, you know, all this thing you know, got whole. And then MTA going to take over in you know, March 1st. You know, that's all I heard. And you know, after all, you know, it's like all the rules and regulations going to be changing. So that means you know, just like my medallions are going to be on the jeopardize. So I want to say that you know, it's like all the effort I made. You know, I, actually, you know, I started driving in 1993, but you know, it's like, you know, some case that, you know, just like forced me to, you know, find another job. But still, you know, I come back to driving the taxi cab. So please, you know, consider about my case. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening, commissioners. Uh, the game is over anyways. All the time, the party never over party. All the party we over sometime. That's the Chinese war. When 2005, when the rule changed, I told, I remind my cousin, Stephen Lee, you must driving, otherwise the rule changed. Since then, he kept driving for his requirement, rebuild, even though he has another job. I remind him, you may get layoff, so you have to keep driving. Then, since then, he kept driving. His name come up last meeting, and then we were here, and he get uh, hold up something, Extension, but it's not fair to him that when the ATM took over, he get a job with the Muni. Uh, that is mean is he get he get trouble with uh, conflict with Muni job and his taxi job. Please look at him like a taxi driver. Give him a name on next agenda. Get an equal and fair work from your commission. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for your work, Tom, on the Charter Reform Committee. Hi. Good evening. My my name is Pong Sam Wang, and uh, I'm I've been driving for 10 years. So I know Stephen Lee driving for I think 15 or 16 years. We saw all the time on the street, and so you know he's put a my for that. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. 
Thank you. Next speaker. Good evening. My name is Bashir Rahimi. Uh, commissioners, I've been driving since 1983. I remember Mark Graveman sitting in here. He was the guy. I remember him. And I remember mostly cab driver. Mostly of my friend was died. You know, like Hormans, David, and all half of this cab driver sitting in here, all of them know me, I'm a cab driver. Just for wheel violations, after 27 years, they threw me out. I'm right now in Sapir Court of California fighting. The judge does not decide anything. Even in that, Jordana said, take pens, send them to later to all the cab companies saying all kind of story about me. They don't even judge it decided yet. However, please, make some kind of rule regulations. A man been driving for 30 years, 29 years, throw him out, have no um, pensions, nothing. If I work any place, have, at least I have some kind of pension or something. Now, no, I'm, thank, you. thank you. Next speaker. Hello, uh, my name is Calvin Wong. Uh, I'm here to support Stephen Lee. Uh, the thing I want to talk about is uh, when you apply for his medallion, is there such a rule that if you work for a muni, he cannot get his medallion? At that time, I don't think there's such a rule like that. Now, since the muni take over, they put it on hold because he worked for muni. I don't think that's fair for him. So can you guys consider to take a look at his case? Thank you. Next speaker. Good evening, everybody. Uh, my name is uh, Christopher, and Cap Driver. I know that Stephen is there along uh, so many years, about 20 years. Uh, I, I want to support for the Stephen to get the medal on. He's the honest and the nice person. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Hello again. Since 1978, we have been driving our taxis guaranteeing to a pact made with the city voters. The system has worked well, although it was not wholly fair at the time. The medallion owners of the time had their ownership confiscated without compensation. It is hard to believe that some folks are now considering another confiscation with perhaps sales to the highest bidders. Many of us waited 13 to 15 years to get our medallions. We have counted on this arrangement for our future since Although we are in service to the city, unlike the bus drivers, since the end of the 1970s, we have no union contract with retirement and medical benefits. I think thus that any new arrangement, instead of being dictated from on high, should be worked out to the satisfaction of all the parties concerned, should perhaps only apply to the ones still on the medallion list, waiting list, and should be put to the city voters since that is the way that the current arrangement was established. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Hello, my name is Milton Day, the doctor driver. I support Stephen. I will glad to I will glad, glad to Stephen get his medallion. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Hi, my name is Johnny. So I I spoke for the Stephen Lee. He got driving a long time, so I think he he, he can he. He can get about his medallion, so he's a nice guy, you know. So, thank you. Thank you. Next. 
My name is Stephen Webb, and I'm medallion owner 804. And with the new proposition of us surrendering our medallions to the highest bidder, I know very few cab drivers that can even come up with $50,000, let alone $150,000 to buy their medallions. And the way the business is right now, I'm working for less than $7 an hour, and I doubt anyone would even buy one if the economy does not turn around. Thank you. Sir, do you want to speak? Um, I finally got my medallion after driving since 1981. Finally got it last year. And believe me, I was just like in heaven. I haven't had a vacation in, in, since 1981. And I turn around and my kids are already grown. I cannot take them anymore for vacation. So anyway, I was ecstatic when I got it. And then I finally did this proposal. And this is very uh, troubling because it's analogous to someone who is courting the woman for 15 years. And finally, the parents said, okay, you can marry my daughter. And after marrying her, and you started enjoying her, her association, and then the mother said, uh, the mother said no, the parents said, we're, we're going to take it, we're going to take her back. And you realize how painful that is after you spend 15 years of your life waiting for this medallion. And all of a sudden, it's going to be taken away from you. It's like taking away your old age pension. That's all. Thank you. Next speaker. Carl McMurdo. I've been in the overflow room, which is even less fun probably than the overflow lounge. Um, the... Uh, I, I don't know if you've already announced that Malcolm Heineke withdrew his plan. You have. So there's clearly some misunderstanding. That plan more or less was to confiscate the medallions, and it certainly viscerally upset a lot of people. I think if there is a, another plan going forward, there will be a lot of discussion and an effort to make things as fair as possible and whatever that means. But there will be an effort, and we'll see what happens. I came to speak about something else. Uh, a number of people called me about the letter you sent out regarding the disability accommodation request having a deadline of February 15 for last year. Um, this letter was received by a lot of people in early February and doesn't allow enough time for scheduling appointments, et cetera, so I hope you'll be somewhat lax given it in case someone trickle in late. Some people actually had received letters saying that Resolution 2006-28 disqualified them from even applying, so some people did not apply based on earlier communication, so thank you. Thank you. My name is Marai. I'm a medallion holder. I've been a driver for 20 years, and I, I enjoy it very much. There have been a lot of ups and downs. There have been a lot of tense moments and sleepless nights, mainly over attempts to keep uh, aged medallion holders from having disability rights. However, I think Prop K is a fabulous thing, and anything that moves forward, I would very much like to see that the, the people on the K list have every opportunity to participate. And if something came up where for um, some smaller amount we were able to buy the medallions, I would go along with it only if the people on the list are respected and have their opportunities. I would not want to see that disrupted. And if I had a magic wand, I would ask that for everyone that's driven like over 20 years, 20, 30 years, that never got a medallion, even though they could have every single day of the whole time they drove, that they still 
would have the opportunity to be grandfathered in. Thank you. Like one out of every 20 or something. Thank you. Next speaker. Evening, commissioners. My name is Bill Manchie. I've been driving the cab for 18 years, and my name is on the list. I am number 405 or something like that. Now, I am the one who's going to suffer, me and a lot of other people who are high on the list. I've been on the list for 13 years, and it's all going to be for nothing. What's the point? I should have kept my other job. I, I committed myself to taxi driving because of the medallion. I thought this is a good way to support yourself when you get older. And that's why I did it. And the bottom line is this stuff that Lux is putting out is nonsense because they want to transfer the medallions. The medallion holders, when there was nothing happening to them, they kept their mouths shut. But the people on the list who are going to suffer, they, they now want to transfer medallions and pay $50,000 for medallions. I can't come up with money like that. I am 62 with no chance of getting a loan. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. If there's anyone who's in the other room who wants to speak, they should uh, come in to this room now, room 400. Thanks, Thomas. Williams again. I was a member of the Charter Reform Working Group, and um, the last vote was very simple. I want to clarify it, what we voted on. It was the recommendation that Prop K needs change, whatever change that is, good or bad. They didn't care. Just Prop K needs change. It passed 7 to 3. I voted against this nonsense. Um, and I think this commission shouldn't consider it, even if it's strange how it not arrives here. The real danger right now towards K comes from the mayor's office. The mayor actually seems to consider to sell out us cab drivers and ask us cab drivers to create a bailout plan for the city. I think he got something wrong. We need some help. We are making six, seven dollars out there right now. The economy is going down. We have way too many caps out there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Thomas, for your service on the uh, group, too, also. Next speaker. Make sure you pull the microphone down so we can hear you. I've been on the list since 1994. And um, when I signed up in 94 for the medallion list, I was told that probably be about a 10-year waiting time and that we could have the medallion uh, then it'll be like retirement and we can have it till we die and that's why you put, we put in the time to work all these years and drive hoping to have the medallion to have like a business and be able to take care of ourselves because we don't have health benefits we don't have anything to take care of us who's going to take care of us if we're alone and, and dying later on we we signed up thinking the medallion is going to be our business to take care of us. So, I, I, you know, I just feel like this making us buy it is going to, you know, take away that right. When the voters said we could have it, each taxi driver has the right to have one if we put our name on the list and wait. You know, I've been on the list now 15 years. Thank you. Hi, my name's Barry Korngold. Um, 
been driving around a little over 20 years. Um, I recently got my medallion, and maybe because I haven't had it that long, I still have a lot of sympathy for people on the list and concern because I would have really been pissed if I'd, you know, waited 15 years and had to keep my driving requirement up all these years, and then all of a sudden they say, oh, you have to buy it, you have to pay, you know, $300,000 or whatever they're going to go for. The 50000 is only for people who already have medallions is a suggestion. And I think most cab drivers aren't going to be able to do this. It's going to end up, the criteria is going to be who can raise the most money or get the biggest loan instead of who's been driving the, mo the longest or who's the most experienced driver. And I really think that it was done, this whole thing was done in an underhanded way as a way to, as the previous speaker said, bail out the city. And uh, this whole move into the MTA, I think the whole purpose of that was to be able to get around K. And it, it really wasn't advertised very well or, or mentioned well on the, on the voter pamphlet Thank either you. at all, in fact. Thank you. Okay. Next speaker. Uh, so Mr. Heineke's proposal has been withdrawn. I don't believe it, uh, but if it's been withdrawn, remember this, in its present form, in its present form, I suspect it's still out there. Uh, in the past two weeks, I've seen no fewer than 11 proposals uh, uh, to change the system. And as these floated around, I want everybody, you should ask yourself as you see these, do, do any of them uh, improve taxi service in San Francisco? Uh, Heineke's proposal clearly states that uh, the objective was to improve muni service as it bleeds the industry dry. It, it's not going to help our business. But um, I want to mention something, too. In the past few years, I've seen this uh, the thread running through the media of manufactured crises. Uh, the, the cabs don't show up on time, 50% uh, of the time. Drivers have multiple DUIs. Medallion holders sit at home collecting checks. Manufacture a crisis and you have a blank canvas to work on. And one thing is for sure, the city wants money from us and they are going to pursue this. And these people are working and they have families and the money should stay in this industry. Thank you. Is there anyone else who wants to speak during public comment? Oh, yeah. Can I get the projector, please? Thank you. Um, for the records, uh, why has this commission refused my request for information? Why, and why didn't this commission define peak time taxis as, or peak times, excuse me, as required by the Board of Appeals on this order in 1999? Why didn't you support the Taxi Commission's recommendations, such as increasing dispatch coverage? increasing meter rates, taking steps to stop illegal limos, one, two, and five. Where are the customer surveys and reports I've submitted to this commission that are not inclusive in the PCNM process or available to the public? Because this commission, why? Because this commission has been operating illegally from the get-go under the Willie and Gavin agenda. Just add CAP's policy. Now MTA, why? Because the city's poor Poor San Francisco. Screw the cab drivers. Screw the public. More service? My ass. Excuse me, Mr. Wynn. What about Mr. Wynn, customer service? You're done. I'm sorry, you Please sit. No, you're done. What about a living wage? 
Mr. Witt. Living wage for cab drivers. Do you have a submission for the minutes, sir? Yes, I do. Great. I'll take it. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else who wants to speak under public comment? But the resolution did not done for. Good evening, Commissioners. Tariq Mahmood. Everybody is crying, my medallion, my medallion, my medallion. Don't take it back. <laughs> yes, we do have total sympathy with the medallion owners. We do have sympathy with the drivers who are on the waiting list. There was a Heineke proposal to take back all medallions, and that proposal was uh, reconfirmed by the UTW Thomas George William, which was very much appreciated by Commissioner Heineke say, okay, take back the medallions, whereas we say, no, don't take back the medallions. The problem is not taking back medallions, the problem is exit strategy and transferability. The people who have gone old in this industry, spent 20, 30 years, drove 30, 30 years, we need to give them a way how to get out and give them some kind of benefit of leaving this industry. So the proposals which will be formulated in the future, work is going on, work will go on, and we will get around to that point. Thank you. Thank you. Ru, want to speak? We all know the city is in a budget crisis. We all know the muni is in a budget row. crisis. If we could keep it down, I, it's, I'm having a hard time. Okay, yeah, thank you. Mike, Spain. Yeah, we need to... Okay. The volume is here. Needs to be here. Start over. Thanks. Sorry, Ro. Thank you. We all know that the city is in a budget crisis, and we all know that the Muni is in a budget crisis. But Muni drivers and Muni workers have a union wage. They have way more than a guaranteed living wage. They've got a union wage. They've got health care. They've got optical. They've got dental. They've got retirement. They've got all the union benefits that they could get. What do cab drivers have? No health care, no medical, no dental, no optical, no retirement. And the city wants to balance the muni budget off of the cab drivers? That is one of the slimiest things. I have ever seen the politicians do. Thank you. Thank you. Are you sorry? Sorry, no applause. Next speaker. Uh, Mark Ruber, I kind of almost feel it's unnecessary to speak after what Ruber has just said and taken many of the words out of my mouth. But I, I, I'll just, I just want to comment. What a feeding frenzy. What a Pandora's box has now been opened over this issue. And it was opened by the mayor who, a very short time ago, pledged his support for Proposition K. It, it, it's in writing, in writing. We, and we have that letter. Uh, it's, it's, this is all money driven. And, the, you know, on the, on the mayor's part, uh, 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 the idea of getting money from uni and it's money driven on the part of those who want to sell their medallions. We have a proposal that came forward tonight. It's nice that they brought it forward. 
medallion holder pays $50,000 and then turns around and sells the thing for $250,000 or maybe $500,000. That's an appreciation of $500 or 1000 percent overnight. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else wants to speak? Okay, there's no one else in the room that wants to speak. Okay. You'll be the last speaker. Good evening, Commissioners. My name's Robert. Uh, my father started driving six months before I was born and supported my family, my, my mother, myself, and I, uh, himself, and uh, put me in private school. And um, ever since the time that he started driving in 1969, the business has just gone downhill. There have been more cabs added onto the street. Um, the business is less than it's ever been. And any proposal, I think, that will change Proposition K, um, which is the will of the voters of the, San of the city and county of San Francisco, is illegal and unfair and wrong. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else wants to speak? Okay, seeing none, public comment is closed. I appreciate everyone who came down tonight and took the time to speak. I know this is a very serious issue, and it's been a very uh, enlightening discussion that we've had, and I'm appreciative of all the people who have taken time to express their thoughts on this. It's very important, and I hope that once this commission uh, is over with, which did not bring forth this recommendation, uh, and I'll state for the record that I, too, oppose it, that any thing going forward with the MTA that there'll be close vigilance and that people will support the principles of Proposition K that got the permits in the hands of the individual working drivers. So I'm hoping that that kind of uh, vigilance will continue and people will defend their rights. So thank you for showing up tonight. Uh, okay, we need to go back to the consent calendar now. Yeah, um, consent calendar item C. This is a consideration. Anybody, hang on just a second. If anybody's going to leave the room now, please try to do that <coughs> quietly and so it's not too disruptive. Thank you. This is a consideration of hearing officer's recommendation in Taxi Commission versus Kyla Selassie, Gabriel Selassie, list number 6-602. This is an action item. Um, this is consideration to deny applicant P-16 permit for not establishing by preponderance of the evidence that he was a full-time driver in 2005 and 2006. Um, with regards to this case, um, this, this case... Uh, Mr. Gabriel Selassie has retained a counsel to represent him at, at this stage of the proceeding. The counsel, unfortunately, could not be here tonight. And so he's here today. Um, he's provided a letter. I'll just read it into the record, and he's here to answer any questions. Um, dear Commissioners, my name is Kali Selassie, Gabriel Selassie. I'm requesting that my case be continued to a later calendar date for the following reasons. The recommendation by the hearing officer was given to me on Tuesday of last week. Well, we actually, the council must have received it last week because we have sent it earlier than that, but that's neither here nor there. It took me a few days to read and understand the recommendation. I decided after I read it, it is too difficult for me to continue this process without legal representation. I've consulted an attorney, but it was too short of notice for my lawyer to be here today. Uh, I greatly appreciate you giving me the time I need to prepare with my attorney. Um, so, uh, I have no objection to continuance. The only problem is, as, as we know, we only have one more meeting. So um, if the case, you, you know, it's, it's up. I told him it's up to him, you know, what he wants to do, but that we only have one more meeting and there's, there's really not going to be a, you know. So. And, and then if it's not heard at the next meeting, the new rules apply at the MTA. So even a recommendation to rehear it, they could say no. 
He's if it, yeah they if you decided to rehear it, then most likely they probably would rehear it. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be I assume that would be up. To, Is up that to the them. same as a continuance though? No, it's not. No, that would be like. Y- y- that's actually a really interesting question of what is going to happen, whether, they w- whether they're bound to accept your recommendation or they can just decide on their own. I would have to consult with the new director on that. I'm, I mean, I don't want to speak for her um, and also with the city attorneys. With regards to Mr. Gabriel Selassie, I referenced at the beginning, this is a case where we literally had no idea. We just simply went to the hearing. He was encouraged. I assisted him as much as I possibly could while attempting to maintain neutrality in the case. It's a very difficult case, and that, that's all I want to say about that case. I, he knows we've had many conversations about this, about the extent to which my what I could do for him to help him and assist him. Unfortunately, there was only so much, um, but he knows that, and you know that's all I can say. Uh, so I just want to put that on the well, record, and I'm not sure. I'm perfectly willing to continue this, and as I read this case, I thought, this commission is constrained by Prop K and Daily Ma. However, the MTA is not, and they won't be in the future. So there could be a time when the MTA decides to modify their rules and maybe make not so explicit what's embedded in the language of Prop K. So I'm more than happy to continue this and not have this taxi commission hear this, given what I've heard what I read this afternoon, plus what I've heard tonight about the representation issue. So I'm more than willing to continue this and, and allow it to be heard either at the MTA or, or at, at their whatever they decide to do with this. The question I have is uh, under the new guidelines, I think that the new director was uh, indicating is going to be the process. If it goes to a hearing officer and her recommendation is not is to deny then it immediately goes to the Board of Appeals. That is correct. Okay, well, so it, it doesn't immediately. It goes if the person appeals the decision at that point. It would well, go. That's, that's my point. So yeah. if we simply continue this, then it goes not to the MTA in the same fashion that it's in front of us. Therefore, it'll. it's as if it's already been passed on by us, and we recommend that we uphold that hearing officer's decision and his only recourse is to go to the Board of Appeals with his attorney. However, by having it on our agenda tonight, if we indicate that we think it should be reheard, then he at least has one more chance. That is correct. That's the second part of what you, I didn't, I have to be honest, I didn't clearly understand the first part, but I, as to the second part, absolutely, if you said we should rehear it, then that's sending the recommendation on to them. Hey. You should rehear this case, and he gets another hearing. It would be another evidentiary hearing, again, without that hearing officer, because that one has already made a decision. Right. Can we, uh, by any chance, find out if there is any information here? I I think part of the problem is with this is that it's coming from American Cab, and uh, in my brief history on the commission, we've had problems with them providing proper way bills. And if that is the, the... factor there, then is there any other way for him to find out whether he could qualify some other way? I I, I don't know exactly what to recommend for him also, but I I feel very short-sighted to only direct him in one one direction. I would rather see it maybe reheard, and if his counsel can uh, find out from 
indicating from what this hearing officer has already determined, maybe they can find out a better solution to uh, resolve this if it goes back to rehearing. So I make a motion to have this reheard. Okay, we have a motion to rehear this. Is there a second or any discussion? And we'll take public comment also. Yeah. Um, who is here on this? Is it Mr. Gabriel Selassie? Are, are you here? But your attorney's not here. Okay. I'm going to take public comment on this now before we go to our deliberations. Uh, Mr. President, I think it's important that you hear from the applicant since you are talking about doing something other than what he requested. Okay. Sir, yes. Go ahead. If you'd like to <coughs> say something about this, what you're, what you're asking us to do, if, if okay. you're... Uh, I'll be happy for the <coughs> for rehearing. I'll be more than happy for rehearing. For rehearing? If that's all you'd like to say, that's fine. Thank you. I'll take public comment now for one minute. Uh, Mark Ruberg, and uh, I've taken a look at this at uh, uh, Kale's uh, request, and uh, I actually think he has a, a very powerful argument that the hearing officer did not uh, give sufficient weight to. He has uh, tax returns that list him as a cab driver and show an amount of, 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 of revenues, of income, that he could not possibly have earned if he had worked less than uh, 800 hours. And given the problems uh, with, at American Cab, and given the fact that uh, he has a very, very uh, plausible explanation of why American uh, perhaps was not forthcoming with uh, some of his documentation, uh, I, I think he should have the opportunity to, uh, to represent uh, this evidence to uh, another hearing officer. So I'd urge you to do that. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else who wants to speak on this? Okay, public comment is closed. We have a, uh, actually, a from Commissioner Benjamin to rehear this case. Is there any second or discussion? Second it. Is there any discussion? I'm, I'm going to support this. I think it's the right thing to do in this case also. Well, even, even if he doesn't have his attorney, and, and even if it came back to us in two weeks, it, didn't, it can't work, no. so... Yeah, no, this is not, this is going to be out of our hands at this point, but it, it will, our recommendation is to, to not accept the hearing officer's decision and to rehear the case. So that's the motion. We have a second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? That motion passes. Okay. Okay, uh, that concludes, I believe, back the consent calendar. Okay. Uh, yes, and back Next to the item. staff report. Yes. Um, okay. Item number three. I, um, Yes, I have some items for the staff report. Hold on just one moment. Will you get the uh, Elmo ready? Yeah. Please? Okay. Get the what? The what? Elmo. Oh, yeah. Um, this is something that was very interesting to me when I was in law school. That machine is called an Elmo. It's not a Tickle Me Elmo. Oh. Far from it. But it, it is called an Elmo, and it, I don't know why, but that's what it's called. So, yeah, the first time I heard it, I was a little thrown as well. But. Okay, um, first of all, um, I'm going to put something on there in a moment. 
that's why I came down here, but I'll just briefly go through the staff report. Good evening, George, good evening, commissioners. My name is Jordana Thigpen, executive director. Um, this will be um, not, it'll be my second to last staff report at the final meeting on February 24th, which I want to announce, first of all, to the public. Uh, we have a very exciting program planned for you, commissioners, and for the public who is all invited on February 24th. We will be occupying the North Light Court of City Hall. We want to thank, profusely thank the Mayor's Office, uh, particularly uh, Chief Staff for Steve Kava for approving this request. Um, it's an indication of how important uh, the taxi industry has been to the Mayor over the years. And the Mayor really um, wants to show his appreciation for all the work that the Commissioners have done as well over the years. We will be inviting Mayor Newsom. I'm awaiting confirmation of his schedule. Uh, former Mayor Brown. We're inviting him. Of course, you commissioners will all be there. Uh, we're inviting all the past commissioners, members of the industry, drivers. This is really um, a celebration of, of all the work the industry has done. Also, um, we're inviting uh, city employees that have assisted the commission with its work over the years. There are many unsung heroes that have assisted uh, the industry and assisted drivers over the years, and we want to be sure to thank them as well and assisted the staff as well with our work. Um, also, of course, our hardworking staff will be there, including uh, Tamara and uh, many others of the staff will be there as well. So I, I want to highlight that. It's February 24th, okay. 6.30 p.m. Can you just clarify uh, that what the time is going to be and w are we going to conduct our meeting in here or no. we're going to set up down there and yeah. do whatever business we have to do in addition to whatever social... We're, we're aspects just, of the meeting there will be? Yeah. We're, we'll have a very brief business items at the beginning. Um, then we will have an item for commendation of the various individuals that are involved. Uh, it'll be a general commendation item. Um, we'll have to have a public comment item on there. We're hoping people will keep it positive and proactive in terms of uh, the theme of gratitude that we're all going to be experiencing rather than the um, other themes that we can all know and love over the years, but it is, we're really trying to keep it positive. That's all I'm going to say about that. So our time is a normal time, 6.30? Yes. 6.30 to? 6.30 to 8.30, more okay. or less. Um, you know, we would, we have the room, we, we have the, the room so that we can conduct the meeting and then um, be out, you know, at an appropriate time. So uh, it's really going to be fantastic. Now, is there fantastic. a period before that, like a social period before that, or is it just, we have the room from 6.30 on? We have the room from 4.30 on, but we have to set up. No, Yeah, so that to be determined. I mean, ideally, How about that? I would like to have a period where people, if they don't want to stay for the actual meeting, they could come at, five, say, 5.30 to 6.30. No, that's not allowed. Maybe, well. We could come from 7 to 8.30, but you'd have to. I mean, I'm, I'm wondering when to ask people to come. If they don't want to sit for our meeting, if they want to come to be part of. But you're saying the meeting itself is going to be sort of a. It's, it's going to be, yeah, there, there'll be, basically, we'll present certificates to people. That's not going to take, you know, two hours to do that. There will be certificates presented. Different people will come and speak on that item. So people might come up and say, thank you so much. I really appreciate all your hard work, commissioners, as volunteers over the years. Um, different staff, we're going to be sure to highlight the contribution of different staff over the years. Thank you, staff, for all your hard work over the years, etc. Um, we can all imagine this moment, and we're all experiencing it internally as I speak. No one's so, going to throw shoes at Paul. Uh, what's that? <laughs> what, what did you? 
No one's going to throw shoes, but Paul, I'm sure you'll have the quick reflexes that our former, and I'm so happy to say that word, president had, so yeah. no comment on that. Uh, okay, so that's the 24th agenda. Um, just want to highlight a couple things here briefly. Uh, as one speaker noted during public comment, the commission did send out a letter regarding the um, ADA policy and people's applications for accommodations under the policy for 2008. We extended the the deadline basically to February 15th. That is a Sunday and I re received an inquiry about that today. I'm going to respond to that person tomorrow. Basically the 15th is a Sunday and then there's a holiday. So people can respond by Tuesday the 17th. That's no problem at all. Someone's going to have um, trouble getting forms or getting a letter in. It's no problem at all. Uh, okay, I still have grants for CNGs, $4,000. These are significant. and. Uh, as far as uh, the other grants for hybrids, that is, we're just still waiting for a signature from the Air Quality Management District. As soon as I know more about that, I will let you know, um, members of the industry who have been asking about their grants, I'm sorry, reimbursements. Um, okay, and then also I attached a dispatch audit to my staff report. This is the Commission's biannual dispatch report, which is required under the rules, and so we've attached that. Um, these are self-reported figures from the industry that you've received in the course and scope of your duties. I uh, didn't put it on as an agenda item because of, uh, the, you know, the timeliness of our agenda. Um, and finally, uh, the grace period for renewal of A cards stopped January 31st, so now we're in, into the penalty phase. I would remind drivers that uh, as of April 30th, the permits operate, they expire by operation of law. That's not a commission rule. That's actually a business and tax regulations code um, ordinance. So we have no control over that. That's for, for most permits in the city. They, they expire. If they expire by December 31st, they then expire by operation of law on April 30th. At that point, you have to attend taxi school all over again. You cannot just go in and renew it. So that's to be understood. And finally, um, before I call Sergeant Reynolds up, um, we've been receiving a lot of communication over the years. And um, normally, I don't bring it to your attention. Um, I should say, I only bring communications, letters to your attention if they concern a compliment or a serious complaint or resolve an issue as I attached one to this staff report that I think would be um, you know, relevant to resolving something, such as the issue with Sarah Cab being uh, dispatched to pick up fares in San Francisco, according to Veolia, that is a misstatement on the part of Sarah Cab drivers. They have not been contracting with the San Francisco Paratransit um, program to provide service to paratransit customers here in San Francisco, and the letter details that. But I felt um, that I should bring something to your attention just, so, just as a parting gift to you. Um, so this is... Uh, this is something we, <laughs> we received in the office. Uh, basically, this is just a document that I thought you should see. Um, here it is, Tamara, let me pass it out. Basically, um, this is, as you can see here, so the items. These are the letters for them. Um, this is the letter. And so I think this is from a child, I'm not sure, but we want to highlight that person's creativity and the person was great, very grateful to you as commissioners, and I want to highlight that person. Um, unfortunately, he or she did not leave a phone number. They have an address, which I'm not going to show for privacy reasons. 
but anyways, I'm passing out a copy, and I just think that the creativity of this was exceptional. Um, these were not assembled on the page, by the way. They were assembled as playing cards, so just a parting gift for you. And uh, now I will call Sergeant Reynolds to give a uh, more serious report about some things going on in the industry. Thank you for these. I, I'm going to write John in Aurora a little letter of thanks. John Hang, Aurora, Illinois. I love it. Good evening, commissioners, executive director, and uh, fellows, uh, friends, and uh, family. Um, for the last two and a half years, I've been up here, and you've been very patient with my long-winded reports and I appreciate that immensely. So since this is my last one, I'm not going to disappoint. <laughs> um, the last couple of weeks, um, Inspector Makavekas, myself, and uh, the Executive Director have been very, very busy with um, a lot of rather serious issues in the taxi industry. Just this weekend alone, two cab drivers were arrested for felony charges. On February 5th, a cab driver, one of our cab drivers, was being issued a citation by a parking control officer. He lost his school. He struck her, injured her, and then fled the scene. That is being investigated. Over the weekend, we had two cab drivers get into a road rage situation where while both of them were in the cab, one cab driver pulled out a can of mace and maced the other driver um, as they were on the road. Um, Sunday, on the 9th, I received a call at about 12 o'clock from our operations center telling us that one of our cabs was missing. It concerned me greatly. Um, the officers, one, didn't know exactly how to handle this. This is a situation that we have not been um, confronted with for the two and a half years that I've been. The cab was checked out Saturday night at 4 in the afternoon. It was supposed to be returned later that evening. They heard nothing from the driver, and the cab was nowhere to be found. I notified uh, the executive director. We put an all-points bulletin out. We, know, we made sure that a police report was issued so that we were, every jurisdiction in the Bay Area was looking for that cab. But I have to say something that, that you don't see very often, especially in government. Jordana Thigpen came into the office, opened up the office, pulled files, and spent the rest of the afternoon and the evening trying every which way she could to locate that driver. Our number one fear was that he was hurt, injured, or possibly dying somewhere in the Bay Area, and we didn't know how to get to him. So I have to, I have to really take my hat off to you. You did an excellent job. The end result was the cab was found 24 hours later picking up fares and had been operating for almost 24 hours. The driver was arrested um, because the uh, color scheme had reported it as stolen and currently now we are working on suspensions on all of these three drivers. We have been, we have been very busy also in other areas. Uh, this council uh, revoked Mr. Rahimi's um, medallion and driving permit. He then went to the Board of Appeals where he lost. He then went to Superior Court and had one of his first hearings where he lost. 
he is refusing to return his medallion to the city and county of San Francisco. This is something that we are having a difficulty in dealing. How do we retrieve that property? We are looking at all civil and criminal remedies to try to get that medallion back. So we have been working many hours on that, trying to figure out how to get that medallion back out on the street and how to give it to the next person that's on the list. Um, and so far, we have not been able to do that. I'm a little, uh, I want to ask a question about that. Where is the medallion physically? He has, he it. has it. It's in his possession. He, he refuses give to give it after a letter was given to him. Three and letters. And he is refusing to follow any of our orders. Is he driving? He has been revoked. But we don't know. I mean, he could be operating in the East Bay. We don't. He owns part of the cab company in the East Bay, so he's driving over there. But is he using the medallion to mimic a cab over there? Is he driving a cab here? He does own other ca cabs. <clears throat> in fact, after the last hearing, we went outside after the hearing, and he had a, a bay cap which had not been fully stripped of its identifying markings in violation of the rules with 1135 on it. So he could be operating that around as well. We also had a complaint two weekends ago of a San Francisco medallion being in an East Bay cab operating in the city picking up fares. That is under investigation. So we do not know where that medallion is. Um, as I said, a, a criminal point is look at it. It is considered stolen property at this time. Um, we are working with the district attorney's office to see whether we can get a search warrant and an arrest warrant in order to retrieve those items. We're also looking at civil proceedings to see whether we can recoup any of the costs that, that this investigation and these problems have cost our organizations. Um, we've talked two years about training SFPD. And Chief Heather Fong has given the uh, green light for us now to go ahead and to train all members interested in the San Francisco Police Department regarding illegal limousines and illegal cabs. So we are putting the training program together and we hope to start this in March. Um, we've also uh, streamlined some of the uh, cheat, uh, we call them cheat sheets. They're actually codes that the officers can put in their citation books and made it simpler for them to understand how the taxi violations occur. So we're hoping that we're going to get a lot more officers during their daily patrol working. And I just want to say thank you to the chief for, for pushing this forward and also Commander uh, Sylvia Harper. With the funding drying up everywhere, um, also officers are looking for more ways to make funding. And this is one area that so far we have not been cut. We are currently conducting an investigation uh, that was sent to us by um, by GTU, they have blackballed a vehicle that the mileage has been tampered with. Um, so we are working to see, um, it's not in my forte, they are the experts with regards to these kind of issues, so we are working to see if we can resolve those issues. Also, uh, um, Weights and Measures um, has contacted us, there are also some, some issues on um, taxi meters, which we are looking into. Um, Ms. Thigpen has been uh, working with the airport in the last couple of weeks. There are several th issues that have been coming up, including something that was talked earlier about the, the transponders, about people finding ways to beat the system down there. Um, 
they do not have the budgeting they do not have the personnel that we have up here so we are working to try to do some joint investigations to see if we can resolve some of the issues of misconduct that's occurring down there also the airport is now going to be sending us any time they have problems with drivers they are going to be issuing administrative citations sending them up to us we are going to enter them in the three one one system and we are going to start keeping progressive discipline on these drivers that don't want to follow the rules that cheat on the shorts that swap the cards and what not so we are going to be keeping a closer tab on those Daja is also supplying us with all of the expired a cards that are out there now and then we are contacting the color schemes and telling them to immediately suspend the drivers until they get an active a card last on the fourth I got a call from the Marriott Hotel and it was quite a frantic call from the director of security their hotel is being inundated by cabs waiting in all the illegal areas of the hotel including the reloading docks trying to pick up fares this is one of the hotels that is better for putting they work with us very closely to try to put them in cabs and not in limos fortunately when I got down there the street was half blocked with 20 to 30 cabs the towaway zones were filled with cabs and some of the drivers were actually using the bay doors as urinals on Stevenson Street this will not be tolerated we have been down there almost every day since and we have been issuing citations to all drivers that do not comply with these rules we will continue to do that officer Makovekas and I have decided that every day from now on we will be going out and doing several hours just to police our own industry we also when we were down at the hotel we found out that super shuttle is now acting as a taxi service in San Francisco at the hotels apparently a a vehicle with more than 10 passengers including the driver is considered a stagecoach in California and does not come under the jurisdiction of the Public Utilities Commission they come under the jurisdiction of the CHP apparently they have been given some kind of authority now to act as cabs to the airport from all the hotels without way bills and without prearrangement we are looking into that to try to understand why they don't have to follow the rules and do San Francisco ordinance trump their laws or do they trump our laws so I the industry has been complaining about this in the past please be patient with me I was shocked on what I found and we are working with that I believe they are probably under the jurisdiction of the CHP so I am trying to get more information on that um, let's see. also we have been getting uh, last last item uh, we have been getting a lot of drivers as of late that come in with um, letters of intent that simply do not meet the driving requirements established by the city and county of San Francisco uh, they complain to us that they've had to pay the fees for the uh, um, uh, letter of intent and also for the training classes and they are asking us to reimburse them for the losses since we tell them that they do not meet the criteria to be a driver ie serious felony arrests uh, child abuse uh, sexual assaults those kind of things 
Um, I just want the industry to know that we are advising those people, those uh, applicants, that they probably should be talking to the original color schemes, and if they're not satisfied with the results, then they should go to small claims court and try to figure out to get restitution, since these companies should be telling them the minimum requirements to drive a cab is not having a serious felony conviction record. That concludes my report. I want to thank you for your indulgence and consideration in this last two years. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much for your work, too. And hopefully you'll be there in a couple of weeks and have a good time. But uh, this is our last formal meeting, so I uh, definitely want to thank you for the quality of work that you've done in the last couple of years, Sergeant. It's not a difficult task, and you were not given the largest staff to work with, and uh, it's it's really been a pleasure to work with you, so thank you. Same here. Thank you very much. If I may, uh, just as I've worked as a liaison um, with a lot of the issues surrounding hotels, um, I would like to continue to assist in any way I can in that community. I, um, I also, if you have any information that you can give me about the shuttle issue, I can certainly um, find out from my end what, what is going on. Okay. I will, I'll be more than happy yeah, to call you I, on that. Um, if you could email me or, or send, yeah. I, I have a question, too. Um, yes. We had a discussion about a month ago about a white zone, taxi taxi stand, white zone, what took precedence. And you gave me an opinion, and I don't know if you got my email the other day, but at the mayor's office of disability had an opposite opinion. <laughs> and they, they their statement was that, especially that the white, even that the taxi stand meant that it was, that even if it was a white zone, meant that it was no longer a passenger loading zone, it was just a taxi zone, and people with disabilities should go to of the nearest blue zone. And I, I disagreed with that, and I, I forwarded your information to her, and so I just wondered if you had had... I have a document that I believe was written in 1999, and it was from um, uh, DPT to all of their... Uh, 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 officers saying that, that, in fact, the bus zones could be used to load and unload uh, physically challenged folks. We have gone by that. Nobody has ever um, told us that that is not in effect. To me, it just makes common sense. Well, I, I would think so, too, but I'll, I'll, I'll follow up. Yes, with and please call me on that, and I'll be more than happy to work with you on that. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Any other questions for Sergeant Reynolds? Thank you. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to take public comment. Or are there any commissioner announcements? Anyone want to make any announcements? I'll reserve mine for the last I meeting. I think I will, too. I was going to give a list of all my failures tonight, but I decided not to do that since it's 9.15. Because oh. <laughs> I'm only going to talk about positive things next week. Okay, I'm going to take public comment now for one minute. And if I talked about all my failures, we'd be here till midnight. Uh, Commissioners Charles Rathbone again with uh, Luxor Cab, and uh, the dispatch numbers are great, but the pictures are better. And this chart, which I put together, shows that yellow and Luxor, that's where the heavy lifting is happening. The uh, call takers and the dispatch staff and the drivers at Luxor and yellow, each of those companies provide more than a one million uh, trips that were actually serviced in the last year. And just thought I would mention that. Also, I hope that we'll be uh, uh, staying in touch with uh, Sergeant Reynolds for a lot more than a couple of weeks. His uh, work and experience is invaluable to the cab ministry. It would be a tragedy to lose it in the transition. Hope he, hope he sticks around. Thank you.
Anyone else wants to speak under this? Please come up. <clears throat> Good evening, Commissioners. Your last meeting and your this meeting, you've been just like doing this like a chatting between yourself. Appraising each other, talking about the health committee report last time, which went nowhere, which was basically wrong, flawed, and full of all the wrong things one can do in that. That's why that health committee report could not fly even. Similarly, you are doing it now. People who are watching our taxi commission meetings, the public, the drivers, the companies, they are sick and tired of this commission. I appreciate Paul Gillespie for all his efforts to put together all these difficult situations. But agenda and other items, we should be brief to the point, get over it, solve the issue. We have not solved the issues of the industry. We are a big failure. Thank you. Anyone else? Okay, public comment is closed. Next item. The next item um, is the... Uh, Clean Air Taxi Program, second quarter report information and discussion. Um, just briefly, uh, we have shown an improvement in the um, score. And I want to also, um, I received communication from Green Cab disputing their score. Um, there is a discrepancy between uh, what Green Cab's records show and what GTU's records show and my office shows. My office and GTU track each other. And what Green Cab is stating, we, we don't have enough information, I, or at least I didn't as of, as of t before tonight's hearing, to be able to revise the score. So if and when I do change the score, uh, I, will be, I will make sure a report goes up to the Internet and I will notify Green Cab. Um, and if, uh, if we do revise the score of any company, I'll send out a fresh uh, report to the list so that it's clear what happened. But for now, um, the, the records that we do have show at least a 10% improvement in the score, which is really amazing. We're very, very pleased with the results. Um, we are very pleased with uh, certain companies that are bringing in only hybrids, um, you know, Yellow Cab and Luxor Cab and Green Cab and a lot of companies have just stepped forward to really bring in 100% hybrids. I received a report from Yellow Cab, in fact, and this would not be reflected in their score uh, because vehicles came in before July of 08. But Yellow Cab informs me that it brought in 96 hybrids uh, just last year. So that's, that's really incredible. Um, some other companies are still having trouble. They are. And they are insisting on bringing in uh, gasoline cars. I sat with one such company the other day who shall remain nameless trying to work out with them and trying to convince them that bringing in gasoline Crown Vicks, it just can't happen. Unless they're going to bring in two Priuses for every Crown Vic, and even then, they're just digging themselves a hole that they won't be able to get out of for every Crown Vic and gasoline car. Another problem is people believe that small cars are just going to have a low score under 38. People constantly call me, Jordana, I want to bring in a Camry. It has a score of 35, right? I can bring it in. Actually, it doesn't. A Camry has a much higher score. You'd be surprised. And depending on the year, and this is a gasoline Camry I'm talking about, it can be up in the 50s. So this is not, just because it's a smaller car, a lighter car, it doesn't mean that it's going to be in compliance. It's not a hybrid just because it's a lightweight vehicle. 
So I, wanted, I really want to commend people for reaching out. Um, I know it's, it gets busy in my office, and I can't always call everybody back the same day, but I am committed to working with people um, over at the MTA. Um, the program hopefully will continue. And, um, you know, I know it's been a policy goal for the mayor, and it's an ongoing policy goal. It's hard to see how MTA would uh, eliminate the program. Of course, I don't want to speak for them. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's really people's, people's commitment to this program. It's just I can't say highly enough how, how proud I am to work with so many committed people on this program. So I think that the 10% improvement is, is remarkable just in one quarter alone, and it's going to continue to improve. I've seen remarked improvement even in January and so far in February. So I'm very proud to announce the results of the report. Thank you. And I have uh, worked on a resolution that I – thought might get distributed tonight, but it's, uh, it's it, what it is is a, kind of a recap of everything that has been done, all the different state, local laws, our own resolutions, the ordinance from the Board of Supervisors. I put it all in one resolution uh, with bullet points that describe what policy is contained in each of those things, and it's, it's going to be from this Taxi Commission to the MTA Board and it will be on our final agenda. So that's I'm going to sort of break my rule about uh, not having it reviewed one time and then voted on the next time because I thought it would be here tonight. But it's it's relatively non-controversial. It's just a recap of everything, putting it all in one resolution, one document for the MTA board, so that when they and urging them to when they write their rules uh, to incorporate everything that's been done up to this point and all the good work that our staff has done, this commission has done on this issue, which we've worked so hard on for 10 years. I want to say just a couple things here briefly about this, and I'm really, really happy about this, this, this mid-year uh, report on this program. I really want to especially commend Luxor Cab and Yellow Cab. They're both underneath our, our goal now. Uh, I mean, these numbers are just fantastic. Yellow is 35.8. Luxor... Uh, 35.5, just to remind everyone, 38 is our goal. And so these are the two biggest companies in San Francisco, and, and they're under the goal already in the second quarter. And I'm just really proud about that. And I want to mention Best Cab, Big Dog City, Green Cab, Regents United, and USA. They also are all underneath, underneath our 38 uh, tons per year goal. So this is really fantastic. I do have to say, though, that there's a few that, you know, really, as Jordana mentioned, are not in compliance, and they. I think it needs to be clear that, you know, these these companies that are up in the 50s or something now, they just can't be bringing in any more gasoline Crown Victorias. They need to get that score underneath where it needs to be because uh, the end of this program is in 2011. But everybody has to do one third of the way there every year for the next three years before this to really work. It you can't put it all off until the final year. So um, I'm just really happy about this and want to keep the pressure on those companies that aren't quite stepping up. So, Anyone else want to comment on this before I take public comment? Is there any public comment on this? We'll, uh, one minute. Uh, Mark Ruberg, Green Cab. I wasn't intending to speak on this, but just in response to the, to the comments about Green Cab, and it, uh, 
I don't have any, you know, bone to pick with the commission. Mistakes are made, but I simply corresponded with the commission for the sake of accuracy, because in both quarters, Green Cab has gotten a rating of 35.75. And as I look on the chart, I see that the Toyota Prius comes in at 23.6. We've put three of those on the road in the half year. And the Camry Hybrid comes in at 32.5, and we put one of those on the road. And I can't see how any combination or any mistake could possibly come out to 35.75, you know, given those scores. And really, it's probably just a clerical error, and I hope it's corrected. So I don't want to make any more of it than that. Thank you. I think it's important, because Green Cab has made a commitment to this, and you guys have been from the very beginning. If we can, do you have any insight? There's no question. He knows the story. We tried to reach each other today, and he, you know, it's too bad that you needed to bring all those little points up. But, again, we have had, you know, I just said at the beginning that we're going to reconcile it, and if there's a change, I'll send out an amended version. And your records are totally different than what GTU and my office has, and we have a different model year for your Camry. So, again, we're not going to belabor the issues here with the technicalities. If there is a change, I'll make sure that the updated report goes on the web, and I'll send it out to the commission's list, so you can't ask for more than that. I am not. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Okay. Next item. The next item is Taxi Commission versus Tulam, revocation of P-16 Permit 896 and P-44 Permit 48151 for violating various taxi cab rules and regulations, including 481, 482, 483, 484, 5A1, 5A3, 5A4, 5C5, 5E1C, 5H3, 5H4, 5H6, 5H9, 5H15, 5H16, 5H17, 5I2, 5I3, 5K3, 5C2, and Municipal Police Code Sections 1081F, 1123, 1138A, and 1147.7, and 1148.6B. This is an action item. So as you'll recall, uh, commissioners, we continued this item from the prior hearing um, at the request of the council for the defendant. Uh, he submitted some uh, written documents to you which had been provided to you at the prior hearing. And um, now we're going to have the hearing today. So uh, as is our custom, I'll present the case here and then the, yeah. Okay. So this is our format, seven minutes for the case, seven minutes for your side, five minutes rebuttal, and then five minutes for your side rebuttal. Didn't the, uh, <coughs> didn't the uh, commission's representative uh, present her seven minutes last, uh, last hearing? I thought that was... Well, that a lot of that occurred. was sort of determining whether we were going to hear that case tonight, given your uh, uh, introduction of more stuff. So I think we're going to start with a clean slate here tonight from the beginning and, and everyone will give, be given equal time so I think that's how we'll do it. So our staff will go first. Thank you. Good evening commissioners. My name is Jordana Thigpen, Executive Director for the San Francisco Taxi Commission. Tonight you have before you a complaint for Mr. Tu Lam. He is medallion holder number 896 and an A-card permit holder 48151. Um, Mr. Lam's complaint arises out of the union cab case, which uh, originated in 2006, um, well, 
facts indicate that it originated far before that, but in any event, it began, uh, was investigated in 2006 and early 2007, came before this commission in June of 2007. You revoked the union cab color scheme. During that time, you also uh, denied the, um, the permit holders, which included Mr. Tu Lam, you denied their request to remove them from the color scheme. At this, I believe it was at the same hearing. Several dozen people were defrauded of many thousands of dollars in the UNICAB case. It was, in fact, nearly a million dollars at the end of the day. Uh, we estimated it to be almost about $750,000. Mr. Lamb claimed to have no knowledge, and yet he was a permit holder. His status as a medallion holder, in fact, facilitated what happened at UNICAB because, as you know, under the Municipal Police Code, no color scheme permit may be held by someone unless they are either a medallion holder or a dispatch permit holder. Um, Mr. Me and a Mr. John Huen, who is not before you, uh, were also on that permit. So Mr. Lamb's presence on the permit facilitated ownership of the permit, holding of the permit by Union Cab, and therefore facilitated the actions of Union Cab against the innocent victims of the fraud and extortion that went on at that company. After the Union Cab case was decided, the Commission staff uh, at that time headed by Director Machen wanted to proceed against the individual permit holders on the color scheme. Those permit holders, including Mr. Lamb, recognized that uh, they would be up for disciplinary proceedings and they came into the Commission office in an attempt to settle the matter. The Commission did settle it for $10,000 and you have a copy of that settlement agreement in your packet that was before you tonight. The settlement agreement specifically provided that they would make the payments in uh, what were beyond reasonable installments, considering that there are still victims out there paying on loans that they took out to buy, quote unquote, medallions at the Union Cab color scheme and the money disappeared. Uh, whether or not Mr. Lamb received the benefit of that money is unclear and I have no evidence either way on that point, but it remains that it should be said. The settlement agreement provided that if payments were not made in the, in the time provided that uh, the commission could bring the complaint before you as if the settlement agreement had never been entered into. In fact, several payments were missed, um, specifically the October 2008, the November 2008, and the December 2008 payments were missed. A check was also bounced for the February 2008 payment, which resulted in uh, overdraft fees to the city and county. Now, we started looking into this and uh, we decided that this was certainly within our right to bring a complaint for revocation of the permit based on the settlement agreement and based on the acts of union cab. But when I started looking into the case and investigating Mr. Lamb's driving, I became very concerned that there are several other grounds to revoke his permit, even if you set aside his involvement in the union cab case, which I submit to you is enough grounds to revoke the permit. It's unconscionable that this amount of money was um, taken from members of the industry. Some people got divorced, lost their homes over this union cab case, just unconscionable. In any event, um, my investigation showed that uh, Mr. Lamb has not driven a cab in some time and from my estimation, I don't know if he has ever driven a cab in the city of county of San Francisco. He worked at Monster Cable for some time and uh, he has also 
um, received prior admonishments for failing the Proposition K driving requirement under the taxi detail. He received one in, two, in count four calendar year 1999. Uh, he got the permit, I might add, in February 1997, so almost immediately began committing violations. He received a Prop K uh, admonishment for 1999, and um, he has failed it, by my estimation, in 2003, 2004, 2005, 2006, 2007, and it also appears he'll fail for 2008. Now, I understand he submitted some waybills to you. I'll reserve my comments on those uh, for rebuttal. I'm just extremely concerned here that we have a member of the industry that is so willing to be part of, of a color scheme without bringing it to the Commission's attention, without ever paying attention to what's going on with the permit that he holds in his own name. He never came forward to say, look at this is going on. What's going on with this company? I'm very concerned. Never went to the police department, never went to the taxi commission and asked for assistance in rooting out the problems in that color scheme. He simply facilitated it with his own name on the permit. It was his permit and he was responsible for it. Not only that, but it appears he has treated his medallion permit with disrespect as well, and he has not driven a cab at all. He had a full-time job at Monster Cable, and that, again, in and of itself, to have another job on the side is, is not, a, it's not a sin. People are hardworking. We all know many hardworking people in the taxi industry that have a couple of different jobs. But when a person has no evidence and no waybills, and they all, we also have evidence that they have been working full time, that's when we have a problem. And that's what we have in this case. Mr. Lamb is probably a nice person. He's, he's probably uh, a nice gentleman. I know when he's coming to the office, I have had no problem interacting with him. He's been very cooperative, and he did seem sorry in 2007 for his actions with the union cab case. But I submit to you that uh, being a nice person and being sorry um, after the fact are not enough, not when we have this many violations on the record and I would ask you to revoke his permits in this case. He does not deserve to be a member of the industry any longer. Thank you. Are there any questions before we go to the other side? Uh, Jordan, I have a question um, about the driving requirement. You say that he was admonished in 1999 for not fulfilling it. There's nothing about um, 2000 or 01 or 02, and if my recollection is right, there wasn't uh, an audit done in those years. So what I'm trying to get at is because there isn't anything about 2000 and 2001 and 2002, that doesn't necessarily mean that he drove those years. It just means that we did not do an audit of the Prop K driving requirement in those years. That's correct. Mm -hmm. um, from my understanding, from the review of records in the office, just random audits were performed, and it doesn't appear that Mr. Lamb was audited in that in those times. And to go back again to the 03, 04, 05, 06, and 07, those were full-on Prop K audits that uh, he has been found not to have satisfied? Is that? You know, I'm going to have to consult um, okay. a document really quickly to answer that question. I'm going to let you do that in okay. rebuttal, or I'll, I'll ask you later sure. so we can go to uh, Mr. Uh, Ralph. That's your name, sir? Mr. Yes. Uh, my name is Jesse Ralph. I'm okay. the attorney for uh, Mr. Two Lamb. You'll have seven minutes. Um, thank you, Commissioner. 
Very quickly, I do have the letter by which the settlement funds were delivered to Mr. Asuncion. In response to the director, first of all, there's no lengthy history as to Mr. Tulam, only as to Union Cab. And what we've heard so far is primarily a rehash of a previously resolved matter. In fact, almost all that I've heard is Union Cab, Union Cab, Union Cab. The fact of the matter is that Mr. Lam is not a facilitator and he has not exploited anyone. He is just a signatory. And that, in fact, is the beginning and the end of this. And except for the fact that as a signatory, he is at least ostensibly liable for what went on at Union Cab. But the person who committed these bad acts at Union Cab, we all know, is who I refer to because he goes by so many different aliases, but we refer to him as Mr. Mee. Now, Mr. Mee executed the 80% annual percentage rate note that Mr. Lam had to help pay. And Mr. Asuncion did not perform at Union Cab as operational manager as he agreed to do. This left Union Cab as a rudderless ship. And Mr. Lam was charged with some of the significant responsibility of cleaning up the mess that Mee left when he literally fled. And he took with him whatever records, if any, that he maintained on behalf of Union Cab, including the records that pertain to Mr. Lam's driving. Now, I can speak for myself in helping to try to put this back together that it has been quite a challenge to resolve all of these matters, including with the Secretary of State and with the Franchise Tax Board, and in addition to Mr. Asuncion's lawsuit, which has been resolved now. The Commission knows that Mr. Lam is innocent. Otherwise, it would not have reduced the $66,000 in fines to $10,000. Only $5,000 of that $10,000 is the responsibility of Mr. Lam. And in entering into that original settlement agreement with Mr. Lam, the Commission recognized that he was down and out as a result of the Union Cab fiasco, but now it's seeking to punish him again, and really for doing what he thought that the Commission wanted, which is to stand up and make restitution and to try to set things right. So now we've paid Mr. Asuncion. That lawsuit's going to be dismissed, and there's no impediment to Mr. Lam going forward with his driving and with fully satisfying this settlement agreement. And, in fact, if I would have known about that, I would have never let this situation get to this point. The settlement agreement would have been fulfilled. But, again, this is the thing. Mr. Lam's trying to stand up and take responsibility, and he makes mistakes, but, again, he's here and he's standing up. He's facing the music. He's explaining the situation, but he's not making excuses. He's offering to do better in the future, to be more circumspect in his relationship with the Commission, with the MTA, and with his own financial dealings. And, certainly, I know that he's learned a valuable lesson 
and then in the future he will not be blindly signing on the dotted line. My office can continue to help Mr. Lamb to meet the requirements. He's had his medallion for over 10 years, and it took him 14 years to get it. The commission does not have before it any complaints as to his driving. He speaks Vietnamese, Chinese, French, and English. As a cab driver, he is an asset uh, to San Francisco. And I'd urge the commission to get past this, dismiss this complaint, reinstate the settlement agreement, and uh, let Mr. Lamb drive. Thank you. Um, on the last page of your exhibit, you, uh, in, on the point number four, I'm going to just read it so you know what I'm saying here. It says, the San Francisco Taxi Commission's second complaint against respondent is that he has on occasion fell below the driving threshold. However, it must be noted again that respondent is standing up. Can you elaborate a little bit for me what that what that refers to? I, I think I know what it refers to that that he started driving. Well, he, I believe this case became, you know, sort of a public case. But what we have before us tonight is is a, a claim by our staff that he there doesn't seem to be any evidence that he was ever a driver from the time we first started. From the time this commission first started and we first started doing audits, and you didn't address that except that that you seem to be saying that since this case has come forward, he has begun driving. But how do you address the question that, which I'm probably going to be voting on myself, is that there doesn't seem to be any evidence that he was ever a driver prior to the last year or so? Well, my understanding um, uh, is that these records were maintained by, or at least ostensibly, maintained by uh, Mr. Me, and that he took all of these records with him when he fled, um, my understanding is first to, to uh, from San Francisco to Daly City to uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, and, and last me, week I was told I sympathize, to use it. I sympathize with, with the whole question of Union Cab, and I understand that people, a lot of people got hurt in that case, but I'm really not addressing that right now. I'm, I'm more addressing the driving requirement for holding prop, a Prop K medallion. And again, it seems like going back to 1999, every year that we did audits, even before the union cab debacle sort of came to light, there didn't seem to be any evidence that he was ever a cab driver. And he never has had passed an audit for, for that. So can you address that? Um, He's beyond the fact that he's standing up now and driving. Well, I, no, I'm really, I really cannot address that. Um, what, I, what I can address is my understanding um, from what I just heard from the department is that um, that there weren't any audits um, prior to uh, 2004, and that no, there were, there were, but we didn't do it every year. We we did it in 1999, and I think 03. There was a couple years there where it was missed, and that was the question that I was asking. That just because he wasn't admonished that year, that doesn't necessarily mean that he was driving that year. It means that we, as a commission, or investigators, didn't didn't do the proper uh, Prop K audits. However, my point still is is that there never seems to be any evidence that he was a full-time driver prior to just recently. So that's that's going to be weighing heavily on my decision tonight. Beyond what happened at Union Cab, because I think everyone, a lot of people were hurt by that, and I can understand that, you know, people who weren't necessarily had craven or, you know, malicious intent got hurt by that.
I'm informed that he that he was working a night shift. Okay. We just don't have. I guess that's what we're going to have to resolve here tonight. Okay. Do you have anything else before we go to our rebuttal? Or can I ask a question? Yes. Uh, are you still working at Monster Cable? Since 2007, and what shift did you work there? Uh, I worked day shift. You worked day shift there. What, what, your, what were your hours? I mean, what hours did you work there? Uh, from seven to four. Seven to four. Yeah. And then. Uh, and after that, you know, so all the records you have here are just for 2008. All the yes. records of the waybills that you presented are just for 2008. Yeah, the 2008. I, I worked in 2007. More, more the time I driving, but you know, like, two, uh, like the commissioner say, 99. I get you know, like, uh, Saturday, Mr. Samson, and I pay the fine from you know, audit my way bill. Then when I have that one, that time the reason cap, then. Last one that I held, the other one that meet the poll at about 2004 or three, I forgot, called me again, audit my way bill, and I'm missing some way bill. Then that, that time, and after that, last year, no, uh, yeah, 2008, uh, Mr. Simpson called me to uh, taxi commissioner office in 25 and signed the paper, you have the file in there. And uh, we go that you know all matching from 2006 and 2007 because when I do business with the meet to meet talking about Union Cap Company, then somehow he lost all my file and when he gone and nobody can find the key and later on we open the office and nothing left in there, then I sign up the paper with Mr. Samson the permit I will you know like. Clearly, make the way bill clearly. That that's why 2008 until now. That the, the, the paper I signed with uh, the last one is 2008. You can check the re record in there. But more the time I drive with my ship, it's nice ship because you know like anybody has two two job. You work one job and someone just go. You cannot make the living. Anybody know that? Even right now, I already have one job. But I try to work full time, but I don't have to. I need to make, you know, like some more scheduling for 2009. I go back to full time cab driver. I don't have any more job to do now. That, that's my problem right now. So I, before I work two jobs, make my living, but right now I have only one job, driving cab. Okay, we'll go to. Uh Rebuttals now for four minutes. Okay, um, first of all, just to answer your question, um, in 1999 and 2003, the taxi detail audited him. They were conducting audits at that time. He failed both audits for Prop K, and he received admonishments for that. In 2004, he has no waybills. In 2005, he has no waybills. In 2006, he failed an audit again, and he received an admonishment. This time, the audit was conducted by Taxi Commission. 2007, he has no waybills. 
Now, he's claiming that UnionCab lost the waybills or there was some problem with paperwork. We seized as many records as we could from the, the Titanic situation that was going on there. However, we were, you know, we, we did the best we could to protect drivers because we knew that this issue would come up later for applications, et cetera. UnionCab closed mid-year. He still could have fulfilled the driver requirement in the second half of the year when he moved to town. However, he never appears on town schedule. He is never on the schedule for 2007, and he's never on the schedule for 2008, and there are no waybills at town. I checked at town to see if there were any waybills. These waybills that are attached, I've never seen them before, and apparently neither has town because they weren't there. So that's a problem. Um, as far as the settlement agreement, we do not know he is innocent. We were attempting to settle the matter to give him a second chance. That was his second chance. Unfortunately, by failing to make the payments, he opened the Pandora's box that you see before you tonight of a total failure to drive for basically 10 years. Um, additionally, I, I want to highlight, highlight a couple things. Um, first of all, uh, you know, fines under the Municipal Police Code, fines for failing the driving requirement are specifically authorized, and in fact, they're quite high. The reason that the fines are structured that way is because the original policymakers that drafted those rules felt that if a driver is receiving a Proposition K permit and is out there reaping the benefits of leasing it to hardworking drivers for a profit, then those are ill-gotten gains and ill-gotten profits that should then be returned through fines to the city and county of San Francisco so that the people as a whole can benefit from that fraud. So. If he doesn't want to have his medallion revoked, that's fine. I've calculated that um, the fines would be $168,000 for the seven years that he retained this medallion unlawfully and reaped the ill-gotten profits from these drivers. One last thing I want to highlight about the evidence, he turned in tax returns. We had discussion about tax returns earlier in the evening for a medallion applicant who, on his, on his tax returns, made a statement that he was a cab driver. Here, we have the converse situation. We have an individual who worked full-time at Monster Cable and on his tax returns declares that he worked solely at Monster Cable. So either he lied to the IRS or he's lying to this commission, but he can't have it both ways. Under the Municipal Police Code, there are several grounds to revoke this permit. I submit to you that even one year of failing Proposition K at this point would be enough because we have two prior admonishments and under your rules, uh, it's an egregious violator. But we don't have just one year. We in fact have seven total years of Proposition K failures and we have the involvement in the UNICAP case which to me was a transformational case for this commission. It, it opened up uh, a feeling in the industry that um, this commission wasn't going to stand for this kind of treatment of drivers. And it wasn't going to stand for people in a position of management, and no offense, of course, to the hardworking managers that we have in the industry, but it opened up a feeling in the industry that people could trust the agency to do its job to root this out. And I submit to you, you should revoke this medallion. Thank you. Thank you. And the A card as well. Again, um, we're just hearing more and more about about union cap, but we're not hearing any citations to a record that's before the commission that sets forth any um, gain here by Mr. Lamb. 
In fact, Mr. Lamb is also a victim of Mr. Me. Mr. Lamb is the one that has had to put this all back together again. Um, and Mr. Me is, is gone. And, and where the commission is not taking any action against Mr. Me. Um, the requests that are being made are just not justified by the record that's before the commission. I mean, who, who are these innocent victims of Mr. Lamb? There aren't any. Um, the money disappeared, but, but the, the department has traced not one cent to Mr. Lamb. Um, you know, I've, these, these allegations are just outrageous, and they're not, there's nothing in the, in the record before the commission to support that anyone got a divorce, that anyone lost their house because of something that Mr. Lamb did. There's been no showing by the department of the relationship between the driving requirement and the regulations that the department publishes that are online. There's been no showing about how Mr. Lamb facilitated any of these events. Even Mr. Assumption in his deposition testimony that's before you testified that Mr. Lamb had nothing to do with it, that he just pointed it, pointed to the office of Mr. Me, who was supposed to be running this whole show, and Mr. Assumption was supposed to be the operational manager who didn't do his job. The department admits that Mr. Lamb is is cooperative and that he's been apologetic for his actions. And, and, the, and the whole foul that arises out of this is that he's trying to make it right. You know, I think he, I think the commission should give him some credit for trying to make it right, for standing up and, and trying to do the right thing. I, I can't explain what goes on at Town Taxi. Town Taxi is not before the commission. And I guess uh, finally, you know, I, I guess I'm confused about why um, the department seems to be singling out Mr. Lamb for having two jobs when the department just said. We admit many people have other jobs. Again, this this complaint should be dismissed. We should move forward um, and put Mr. Lamb back on a on a productive track to helping um, the citizens and the visitors of San Francisco. Thank you. Okay, commissioners, were if there's no other questions for either our director or for. Uh, Mr. Ralph, then we can go to our deliberations. Oh, we need to take public comment. Public comment, and once again, public comment is not evidence and cannot form a basis for any of your findings. Thank you. Is there anyone who would like to comment on this case? Public comment? Okay, seeing none, public comment is closed. One, two, three, four. We have four people here still. I think we should wait. Yeah. They're going to be voting on this, so I'm going to. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, I'm going to take a three-minute recess.
It's 9.52 right now. We'll come back 9.55. That's three minutes, so don't go anywhere. We're just waiting. You should have let three of them go. You three, three of you can't go. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. We're taking three minutes. Three no, commissioners in the city. We're, we're adjourned right now for okay. three minutes. <laughs>
um, it was a place to hide, frankly, and not be a full-time taxi driver. And I'm thinking that there was a problem in this case with that situation where Mr. Lamb was not a taxi driver. He had a full-time job elsewhere, and he associated with Mr. Mee, who was had convinced him in some way that he was going to be able to uh, handle this medallion for him and, and pay him lease payments and and allow him to keep his medallion without being a cab driver. And, and this is what the evidence points to for me in this case. I understand that Mr. Mee took advantage of a lot of people, and probably Mr. Lamb was not involved in a lot of that fraud and, and uh, those things that went on. However, the strongest part of this case is presented to us tonight is the almost complete lack of any evidence that, that Mr. Lamb was ever a full-time cab driver until recently. And we have a lot of waybills that have been submitted from Town Taxi that they don't seem to have any real knowledge of. Um, I'm just looking at these waybills kind of randomly and um, I'm not sure what those barcodes are. That does have a date on them, but even stipulating that Mr. Lamb has become a full-time driver since this case has come to light, I think there's still the question of whether or not he was a driver for the seven years or for the seven times that we actually did an audit in the last ten years that, there didn't, that he was admonished. And as our director said, two admonishments in the third case, uh, according to our rules, it calls for a strong presumption of revocation. So that's where I'm at on this. Could I clarify when you said uh, strong support of a revocation? I understood our executive director to say um, both medallion and a card. Are you talking about both or simply medallion? Well, and I don't mean simply. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that it's a serious enough, both of these offenses, the involvement with Union Cab and the amount of fraud that went on there and the fact that he has not been driving or there's no evidence that he was a driver from the time he got his medallion until just recently, to me, argues for a revocation of both the medallion and the A card. One commissioner, however. Well, I've, I've looked at all these town taxi uh, waybills that you've submitted, and I see only two days on all of these waybills that you didn't fill out uh, a complete waybill. In other words, these waybills are pretty tough to accept as, you know, complete truth, in my opinion, only because there's only two dates out of the whole year that you missed filling out all 17 lines and you're missing on the 21st one line and I think on the couple of days later uh, you know two other lines but other than that every single sheet every single line has been there was a run there and it you know it's kind of hard to believe that on every Monday every Sunday every day that you might have worked in this year that you were able to have that many runs when, I, when we, we've examined many many waybills up here just from examinations of people that are applying for uh, medallions and most of them aren't completed like yours are and it brings some question to mind as to whether these are accurate I, I can't say they aren't but it brings that question to my mind yeah that my 
driving on you know like two day a week or sometimes three day a week if they have the, you know, the ship for me because I like you know like I drive with my driver because I you know like anybody have the two job but after I've been laid up my schedule I don't I don't have my schedule only the two day for my for me only and all that one the the how kept the you the barcode for you know like make sure the one side for barcode the dead and one side for the name driver. Every month you need to get the shit for the barcode to fill out when you're driving. I mean, the day you're driving, you need to put the, the, the barcode on that. That's what we did. I know town council keeps very good records. Yeah. But, like I say, the records that you're submitting here are kind of mind-boggling that you could fill up this sheet so perfectly every day for the whole year. Uh, I, I don't think I don't have the time to do that. So we go, if I'm not driving, I don't fill out. And my handwriting. Yeah. But, uh, no, like, my, truly, that I'm driving, but I'm not, like, with the, uh, Joanne say I'm not driving, but I'm driving, like, 1999, I've been audited by taxi commissioner, uh, police kept detail, or whatever, because I'm not complete my requirement driving. Then, when I come to work for months of cable, I work full time there. Then I try to part-time, like, you know, night shift, but, you know, like when I, my cap in the region, when I change to the bay cap, I still try to part-time night shift because daytime working. But, like my other thing say, I try to do my best, but sometimes, you know, you work in daytime and you come to try the nighttime, you're a little bit tired and you just try to, you know, like make your living because, it, you know, in San Francisco, not easy to make a living. And, Right now, the truth is, if you took my A car or whatever, I don't have any job to do. Well, I, I don't know if we can consider that because the, the taxi industry is not like the, the last stand for... Uh, for somebody to take. It's not the last resort. Um, I just don't see that that last thing that you said about not having another job is is compelling for uh, this lack of support that you've had for for the seven years. Uh, the thing is right now, already a whole year I tried to look in the other job, but I cannot find any job. Even I applied to many companies then that's why, you know, 2008, I drive in sometimes three days, sometimes two days. But I don't have the schedule. I try to, right now, I try to look in the other company to work. But it, because it, when I go to hearing, the commissioner wants to reward my permit. That means I don't have any income. I don't have any permit. I don't have any taxi to drive. I need to go to look, you know, apply some company cab to drive. And if you take my A car again, that I mean I cannot try anything. But right now that my man income the taxi driver. That's my point. That because you you think right now economy is down, anybody lose a job, even the city, they cut the work of people, then you think easy for me with the big with like English the second language and easy to find a job in industry. That's not easy. But right now, my job only is a taxi driver. And if you want to take my medallion or you want to take my A car, that means you want to put the people in the 
low income or the homeless. Okay. Um, I'll preface this by uh, saying we've all, always had disagreements about the driving requirement. However, I have some other issues here. Um, one, uh, <coughs> the whole reason this is before us is because he messed up his second chance, um, missing the payments. And I think the missed payments were very small, but it shows a negligence about staying with a program and medallion holders have to have a certain sense of responsibility for what has to be done business-wise. The tax return, I think, has no place in this at all. However, by only listing one job on it, I don't want to even think of why the second was, even if he was driving full-time, why that income wouldn't have been listed. And that's not for me to judge, not for, for us to judge, but I don't think, again, I don't think it's a good business indication is where, where I'm looking at this. However, what I, I see is that the one part of this that requires the business uh, responsibility and the business skills is the ownership of the medallion, and that's the direction I'm going in. The A card needs a different type of responsibility to your, the people you're driving around. And he has driven, uh, according to testimony of his and from the way bills received, whether or not, uh, as you say, they're doubtful. I haven't heard any complaints about his driving. And for that reason, not because of the driving requirement, although I know that's compelling for you and for many of the others, I, I know it is, um, I am hesitant to have him maintain the medallion. But I, 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 would, I would not vote to revoke the A card. I think, I think that's reasonable. I mean, I think that's... In this case, I think there is, you know, a compelling reason to go with the A card too. But I think the the main thing that he has proven that he hasn't done is drive this medallion for the for the the whole period that he first got it. And uh, I'm sorry, we're we're really we're done with with the uh, we're just in in, in uh, you know our deliberations here now. So I I, I too don't want to take away a person's you know, means of making a living. I'm not a permit holder. I'm an A card holder, and that's all I have to make a living. And that's, you know, I know that you can do it with an A card. Um, but I really believe that he's forfeited his right to hold the permit. And I think, you know, there's a lot of these violations are egregious enough, and I do want to have some compassion for a person to be able to still make a living. Um, but I think holding the medallion is, is not something that, that would be appropriate at this point. And so are you saying revoking the medallion and the permit the a card no just the, just just the medallion and not the a card well i'm not in agreement with that i'm not either <laughs> you know the the issue here is that he has not shown any responsibility for anything until tonight till this for 8 years 9 years i you you said it before and i agree with you he gave his medallion to Mr. Me to manage. He wasn't showing up. He was just collecting the profits off of that medallion. That's enough fraud for both to, to, to take back both the permit and the medallion, I believe. You know, that's, that's, 
you know, I mean, we're not even talking one out of five years that he did, let alone four out of five years that he should have been driving. You know, how, how, you know, now he's in a spot, you know, I feel sorry for him, but if he hadn't done all the things up to this point, he wouldn't be sitting here. You know, and this is years and years and years of, of, of things that he was not doing correctly. So, me personally, I'm for revoking both the medallion and the A card. Regiment, do you want to weigh in on this? Please? Well, I agree also, and I think for all those reasons, and plus the fact that I'm not convinced any of these way bills are legitimate either. I, I'm looking at the signature at the top of his uh, way bill, how he fills it out where it says driver, and the T is totally different than the T that he signs as the uh, person of with the signature, and it just seems odd, odd to me that there would be such a difference in every signature that I see that he's indicated on any form, check or whatever that he has, and then how these, I don't know who filled out these forms. But I also think that with a discussion that we had tonight uh, with GTU, he has some indications here that he went to SFO, and I would submit that uh, we should immediately uh, uh, take away the medallion but at the same time, reserve the, the uh, ability to uh, remove his A card if these are even one of them is found to be fictitious. There, there's one other thing: the um, sixty thousand that wasn't paid now opens up the whole box. Whereas the uh, executive director pointed out that there was a hundred and sixty-eight thousand that could be. Um, on the table, so to speak, and so instead of taking away the A card, there could be some sort of additional fine that's put in there as a as a way to keep the A card. Well, actually, <coughs> excuse me. My question was about any fines that still were outstanding or to be assessed, but I I don't know if there's any. I don't know if about the idea of my understanding is that there for a fine. I don't that doesn't sit well with me, but I don't have. I understand there was no fine assessed based on the failure to fulfill the driving requirement. That it was all related to the union cab. At uh, the settlement situation. agreement, we he submitted checks which I have held in abeyance pending the outcome of this hearing. Um, I mean, John Huen, the other settler, is still paying on the settlement agreement. He has his own problems, which I'm not going to go into. This commission will not see that case, but he has his own problems. Um, you know, so. You know, one question, John, I'm sorry. One question on these town taxi uh, way bills. He's not on any rosters for town taxi? No, that's in the complaint I said, yeah, he's not on the schedules. For all of 2008, he doesn't show up on any of their records? No, and that's why I didn't have any GTU or smart card records. If I had had these waybills, you know, and I'm not, I, by the time I'd already written the complaint, then he gave me, Mr. Ralph provided me with these, which is fine because he's allowed to do that. But I didn't spend the resources of the office to go and audit them individually. I mean, I'm looking through them. I see hordes of problems, but I'm not going to bring those up here. I mean, you know, because they weren't before, they weren't part of my case. So, I mean, they're the evidence before you, but, you know. I mean, that's the kind of thing where if we check these out and none of these SFO fares, then I would, I mean, I would send this case to the district attorney. Uh, 
that's serious fraud. A serious attempt to really just just bamboozle this commission with submitted waybills. And I'm not saying that's what happened, but you know. Well, you know, I'm looking at these waybills too, and and you know, I'm looking at the ones that are from 7 a.m. until 3 p.m. on a Sunday morning, and there's more than one that are completely filled out. Right after ride. Minute, you know, uh, the same as on a Friday night. I mean, you know, who gets a full sheet of on their way bill on a Sunday morning from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m.? And they're perfect. Each one ends at 3 o'clock or whenever they say. I mean, Excuse me, drivers that have been previously admonished? What'd you say? Drivers that have been previously admonished would be more likely to complete likely. their way bills appropriately. I guess, I guess what we're saying is that those of us who, who fill out waybills and drive on Sunday mornings know that it's not right after right after right after right with one or two minutes in between. So there's some question as to the authenticity. And it seems like there's exactly the same number of fares each night, no matter what night of the week it is. There's just a lot of things that there's are... There's only two days where a line is open. Yeah. The 21st and the 27th of December of 08. There's two, yeah, two on the 27th and one missing on the 21st. You know, th this brings up the difficulty of doing this at this level, and this is why we've sent most of these things to the hearing officer. But I think we have enough evidence before us tonight, and I think enough has been expressed among commissioners that we can we can probably come up with, with a motion here. Um, can I ask one more question? <clears throat> Regarding um, the A card, say it was revoked here this evening, would he be able to uh, go through the process that other drivers have gone through if their A card um, was not renewed? He could reapply under the um, current city uh, ordinances, business and tax regulations code. After a permit is revoked, the person can reapply after one year. Mm -hmm. And they can do that. Now, with regards to medallions, obviously, we have a substantial waiting list. But with driver applications, unless the, um, the body that made the decision rules about a longer period of time, my understanding is that they can reapply after one year. That's what the code says. It's, it's clear. So. Yeah, and may I ask you, Town Taxi says they have no record at all uh, of him driving yeah. there. And so they're, they're in no way saying they will ensure that he's got shifts or anything like that. No, I, I don't think that anybody can make that kind of a guarantee in this economic climate about mm -hmm. future employment. And would he, he would also be able to apply to um, get a permit in, in across the bay if he wanted to. Nothing we do here prevents that. Yeah, um, I mean, my office is in the... Is, is developing partnerships with other agencies to notify them of serious public safety concerns such as one you heard about tonight with Sergeant Reynolds' report. However, Mr. Lem does not present a public yeah, safety risk. I don't risk. think we're talking about that in this case. I think we're right. talking about someone who had an opportunity to have a very wonderful deal from the city of San Francisco, uh, basically a free medallion, and all they had to do was be a taxi driver. And instead, they didn't drive, and they associated with, with a color scheme that committed massive fraud against many, many people who lost a lot of money. And, uh, you know, I think there's enough evidence before us tonight to make a motion on this. Can I make a motion now? Yes. Make a motion to revoke the medallion and the um, A card. I'll second that. 
take a little roll call. little discussion, just one quick question. I thought, um, Commissioner Benjamin, you were going to make a friendly amendment to revoke it if, if there was, uh, if the way bills that you suspect, if any part of it proves false. I don't think uh, that we have to at this stage, and I think that uh, if he has the opportunity to go to the Board of Appeals, then we can prove that at that time as part of our understanding, and I don't think that we should extend any uh, any further olive branch to him to uh, continue with these habits that I think are, are going to be very hard for him to break. Okay, and then I do want to say that um, for, for all of my reasons that I feel the medallion should be revoked and for all the reasons given me that uh, he can drive if he truly wants to drive in other jurisdictions, he does not present um, a safety hazard uh, from everything that I've heard, and he can also reapply in this jurisdiction within a year. Um, I'll ac accept that motion. Okay, so. we have a motion and a second. Is there any I, further discussion? I just had another piece of discussion. The checks that are being held by the staff uh, or do you have plans on cashing those? Well, because I brought this, the settlement agreement is basically, it is as if it was not entered into. That's what it said on its face. So my expectation was, you know, not that we would continue to collect on the settlement agreement unless the commission decided to issue a fine of some type, either to continue the existing settlement agreement or to have some other type of fine. I have the checks here. Now, Mr. Wen is a different case, and he will continue to, but obviously we're not going to bring another case against Mr. Right. Lamb. Right. So it's that would be something that would be up to you. I do have the checks here. I've been holding them, and so that's up to you, whether you want to continue him on the balance of the settlement agreement or you want to issue a new fine or you just want to say that's it, we revoked you, and that's it. That's up to you. Well, I, I, think, I think once the f payment wasn't made on the fifth of the month, that uh, negated the settlement. So I don't think there should be any payment because now we reverted back to this. So th in effect, there is no fine because now we're back here. Yeah. Would you like to incorporate that in, in the moment? Don't have to. It's done. <laughs> it's over with. He, he broke. He broke the agreement when he didn't pay by the fifth of the month. He broke it. We didn't. We don't have to. I, I feel clarified on it. It was a question, but I, with the way that you said it, I, I feel clarified. But 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 now I, I do have a question. Does that mean that um, 168,000 that's out there is going to be uh, refiled in any way? No. I mean that was part of this complaint. So that was just as a you know that's just saying hey this is the maximum that could be imposed. I mean okay, would this commission impose that? Okay, no. no but like that so. was just to show Got you it. what. Thank you. Hmm. Okay, we have a motion and a second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? That motion passes. You want to tell me um, Director Thigpen, in your role as executive director now, not. Um, will there be findings in this case, or is that? Um. Yeah, the findings will be typed up. Um, just, you know, the findings would be for revocation, and um, they can either be adopted at the final meeting, or I can just type them, type the violations without fines. 
of their appeal rights? Yes. Well, the, the notices always state the appeal rights. It's 15 days from the notice of decision. So as soon as we get that out of the office, is it your, it, do, would you like me to just type them with the revocations in there and then that way the Board of Appeals can um, reference the, I can reference the, the complaint, the underlying complaint as the finding. Okay. And that way it's not getting into very detailed findings okay. unless you want to adopt them this, at the February 24th meeting, which I don't think that you do. I don't think we all agreed on all the findings. <laughs> so. I think our work Just is reference done here. the underlying yeah. complaint. Yeah. I mean, they yeah. very rarely, it's not as if Board of Appeals looks I exclusively at the finding. I mean, they, they, it's a de novo hearing anyway. So, yeah. Okay. okay, next item. The next item, is the final item, well, second final item is resolution to recommend draft SFMTA rules on medallion leasing. Um, this is an action item, and uh, Commissioner Onetto um, and I have been in communication about it. Commissioner Breslin and Commissioner Gillespie obviously sit on the rules subcommittee. This arises out of the rules subcommittee. Uh, medallion leasing has been a hot topic for this commission for some time, and um, MTA has proposed in its draft rules basically what's attached to this resolution. And so um, that being said, Commissioner Nitto. Okay. The idea behind that, most of this is from the proposed rules from the MTA. But since they changed what, how they're going to do things now that they only took the 13 pages and are not going through with all the rest of the rules, and I thought at the subcommittee that we brought this forward, and the, this was through the help of Attorney Tom Owen, too, that um, we would try and protect the drivers a little bit while we could. Now, it, it, what I was trying to get was for us to change our own regulations, you know, rather than say the resolution, because who knows when they're going to change it. This. This, in effect, doesn't change anything on any leases. It doesn't, it doesn't do anything. Really, the main consideration behind this is that the leases have to be on file where we can see them. This is all this, this is about. So I'd like to adopt a resolution, but I'd really like to be able to bring it forward and make it our own rules at the last meeting. And just I don't think this is a controversial thing. I don't think, you know, that... that um, there, there is anyone that would would balk at this because I'm not. This is not about changing any lease agreements. They can do their leases. But this is so they have them on file. That's what this is really about. And so we can find out what they're you know, being. The drivers are being charged. So this is kind of my, like my labor. Uh, <laughs> you know, goodbye. <laughs> so uh, this resolution, however, calls for us to for the MTA to adopt this rule as, right. they, as as their draft rule. But that was already, this is where I got this, is their rule. Yeah. I, and it, I thought it was very good, and I thought it protected the driver. So I was just trying to get it in place now rather than whenever they do it. Can't we do both? Can't I mean, I'm serious. Can't we change our, our regulation unless it's too late to notice it? I, I don't think it is. And And also then recommend that this is one rule that needs to be maintained, something like that? Well, mine would be a substantive change from yeah. the agenda item as it's agenda. Not, to, not tonight, tonight, but if it went forward after discussion tonight for the next meeting. I know next meeting is supposed to be fun, but... 
We could it, do it. Would it would be a gift. I, mean, <laughs> I don't think this is. Uh, we could do both. We could we could see how public yeah, comment is right now on it and see if we're going to get. I mean, it I don't I mean. don't feel this is controversial. And when I first read it, I thought, okay, this is exactly how we should be doing this. We should be making this recommendation to MTA that they adopt this as their rule. Um, yeah, and I, I was fine with that's where I got this. I thought it was great what they were trying to accomplish over there with it. But now that and they changed it, that, that they're, they're not, not going to dawdle it. that much. I mean, I don't. I mean, I think I think they get this from us. My sense is they're going to take things sort of one at a time and not adopt all 77 pages so that... I don't think they're going to do it that way. I think it's going to be they're going to have... It's going to be all set up to do it at one time because do you realize how many meetings they'd have to have to do that one at a time? They won't do that over there. No. <laughs> this is going to be one big... <laughs> <laughs> there will be a lot of outreach. I mean, from conversations I've had, I can I can state, sure. you know, without representing MTA's position, I can say with confidence there will be outreach to the industry around specific issues. But it's unlikely that every single agenda of the MTA board for the next 90 days is going to contain taxi rules. It's going to be a solid document at the end of the 90-day period. It's not going to be like our subcommittee. <laughs> yeah. So may, may I ask though, if a regulation like this was added in at the 11th hour, um, will there be a process to of notification or, I mean, where is, well, where the, is 10 the support day, system going? The 10-day notice would go on our website under proposed new rules and then we would satisfy all the requirements. It would become part of the rules and regulations that under MTA resolution that was already passed by their board last week would go over and would be in for, full force and effect. In fact, for that matter, any rule that you pass before you before February, uh, you know, before March 1st, will be in effect. So if you wanted to pass a rule, you know, abolishing the cleaner taxi program, that would be in effect. That's actually established by ordinance, but you know what I'm saying. Step, abolishing the eight-year rule, abolishing the requirement to have San Francisco taxi cab on the cab, anything, if that was adopted on February 24th, that's going to be in effect. And and so. The only thing that would need to be on. added, though, would be if we added it to our regulations, I think there has to be um, an effective date, whereas here we're recommending they adopt, but I think if we put it into our regulations, it has to be effective as is a certain time so that they can collect everything together. Yeah, yeah I could put something mm -hmm. in for next time. I have a, I have a question about this. Uh, with brokers... I think the question that uh, arised from union cabs involvement and other brokers that are probably operating today, the problem is that one person will lease numerous cabs and find drivers for them and basically act as a color scheme. And that, that's who the broker is. He's, he's operating in the, in the gray area of what a color scheme can operate as. So my question is, on all these regulations, is there a limitation as to how many leases an individual can hold? And I don't see that on any of these. I would think that B comes close to doing that because of the identification of the person. But what if he identifies as having more than one lease? And then he's actually being legitimized as a broker. It's a really good point. I mean, you could limit it to, you know, no more than, I mean, in the case of a pre-K, a pre-K, like, let's take a Luxor cab medallion holder, for example, American Cab Company Incorporated, they have, under Wait. that company, they have, what, six medallions? So they could potentially have six different leases, although technically the medallion, each one it has a separate lease, so... Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. You're making it a little too tough, I think, now, because 
if the point of this is having it on file, if you walk into wherever and you see ten leases signed by one guy. Well. That's true. There are those. So if you see ten leases, you've got to know. If he's not a medallion holder, he's not a color scheme, and he can't be driving all ten taxis at once, then he can't be any legitimate entity. That's the point there. Does it say that the person that has the lease has to drive that medallion? Well, that's where the flaw in this, I think, is going to come, because unless we limit who's going to be leasing these vehicles, if a normal person takes a lease from a medallion holder, then he finds the drivers or he has the color scheme find drivers for him. That's the way we want it to operate. Right? Yeah. Am I right? But in the case of an individual who's smart enough to come along and say, look, how he goes about enticing a medallion holder to allow him to lease that vehicle is probably simply out of greed. He's going to offer more money. And what we want to be able to control for the drivers is that he's not taking more money from the drivers to provide for a leaseholder. What does it say there? It's the second one? Is that the one you're pointing out to? Yeah, okay. Well, I was thinking that. That's what I was looking at to see if that does limit it. Taxi permit holder, a color scheme, and or a driver who will actually drive the vehicle associated with that taxi permit. And then I need to add something on. When available sort of thing, doesn't that tie into where we also allowed? But that's there. That's already there in another spot. This is just about the leases. We're not talking about. Okay. Okay. Yes. Okay. I get it. That's fine. So whoever signs the lease has got to drive the cab. Okay. But now the question is, can a person who signs that lease drive more than one cab? He doesn't have to drive it every day. But I'm saying in the course of a month. You mean sign a lease that I'm going to drive this one two days and that one two days and that one over there one day? So you could go up to 30 cabs. I don't think I'd have an issue with that myself. But I would have an issue if a guy has ten leases and he's, you know, there's no other, there's nobody else leasing out this cab. Then I would have a little bit of, I think there's an issue here. Well, that's an obvious one. But what I'm saying is, does it also open the door for the same type of operation to keep happening, even though we have an indication of who's leasing the cab? Are we going to be able to control how that cab is really being operated, though? I think the ability to audit, to have records. Well, of course, we look at the way bills. But I think that this goes, takes a huge step towards resolving the issue. I really do think it does. And I don't have a problem with a driver driving more than one vehicle, signing up for a lease, maybe like having two jobs. I never have a problem with somebody having two jobs. Like a lot of things, I mean, there's a lot of things that are going to need a lot more administration and have needed for some time. I mean, like Paul, I'm the first to admit failures that have happened in the office, mostly from lack of staffing. And honestly, I think a program like this, you try it out. If it's not working out, there's still time to develop new regulations. And obviously, over time, as this commission has done, MTA will be revisiting a lot of things. Yeah, they can modify it. And I just think having the things, we didn't have it in there that they had to keep the leases on file at the color scheme. We didn't have that. 
you know, this, this, that's the biggest thing. If, if you could at least get that, now you at least got a starting point where you can administer the thing. That's the whole point of this. Okay, but uh, that part is great. I agree with all of that. And I'm not saying I'm against any of this, but I'm saying that if you really want to stop brokering, the way that you would do it is to say that no individual can lease more than one vehicle, one medallion. And that would you know, that would you know, all the brokers out of business. Uh, we use it in a different, a different light, but, you know, there's three forms of communication, telephone, telegraph, tele-taxi driver. You know, <laughs> you always know in this business, just like you, like we used to say on the trucks, you always know what's going on. You know, the, the rumors hit before you can even drive from one stop to another. You know what I mean? <laughs> I can't believe I was on you this know, commission you, 10 you, years before you, I heard that line. The whole thing is you can, you can find a place. If you hear a rumor and you go check it out or you see something, you, at least now you have the ability to go know where you can go to find out if there is a lease there and who's got it. it I, I know you're trying to put more teeth into it. And no, yeah. I'm not. I'm just suggesting yeah. that that's way it, I don't think that this is going to stop brokering. I think this is going to identify broker right and help us resolve it. it if you stop it all you have to do is say you can't lease more than one vehicle from a medallion holder so then there won't be any mini me's with uh, 10 leases from medallion holders whether they're legit or not in written form or on paper or anything else he'll be limited to leasing one medallion so if he wants to be a broker for one medallion that's fine but after that he's going to be limited and the color scheme can keep them. You know. yeah, I didn't say many. And so then the rest of the time would be as a, a driver for other. Uh, and then the rest of the time would be as a driver for other medallions. Right. In other words, the way it legitimately should work is he should be a driver. And if he leases a vehicle, then he can either get drivers through the color scheme or get his own drivers or his brother or somebody else to drive. But he won't be a broker if he doesn't have more than one vehicle to broker out. Well, Given the hour, that that is interesting. I believe there are one or two people who have more than one medallion pre-K. Yeah, there's a bunch of pre-Ks. You can you can solve that by saying pre-Ks are are exempt from it because pre-Ks come under a different category anyhow. Well, I'm talking post-K. Like I say, this rule, you know. It's, it's aimed towards solving a significant problem. Obviously, as soon as the rule is passed, guess what? People are going to design leasing arrangements that are the creature from the Black Lagoon, as I've yeah, referenced before. I mean, I think we ought to try I'm and... I've got to worry about for the next two weeks. Yeah, let's see, if this can, <laughs> let's see if this can do what we I want it to do. But at this point, yeah. given the hour, Commissioner Onet, I want to defer to you. Would you prefer to have us vote on this resolution tonight, sending it off to MTA, <laughs> or would you prefer to put it on the calendar for next time as a rule change to our rules? Uh, um, or both. Yeah, or both. No, just <laughs> um, j just the rules, I guess. The, you want the next us to, one. to put it on on the 24th for a change in well, our rules? Well, I would prefer that they're both there, and we'll vote it, and we'll see how it goes as a rule. If it doesn't pass as a rule, then we'll have the this to back it up. You understand? And if we do the rule, then we don't have to do this one. We don't have to do the resolution. Right. Yeah, we, we only need, 
need to do one or the other. We either yeah. recommend that MTA does this when they adopt their <laughs> rules, or we do it and adopt it as our rules next week, well, two I weeks. I prefer to do it as our rule. That's how we'll do it. <laughs> okay, so that's without objection. We won't take action on this tonight. We will direct. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, we can actually vote on this one tonight if you like what it says and then vote on the other one next week so that if we get backed up or anything we've got one in place right there if okay. anything we can do that if you're comfortable and also do we need to take yeah. public comment or take there wasn't any public comment okay. did, I take did it you already? ask it already you did I can take I'll ask it now is there any public comment on this please <laughs> step up <laughs> One minute, 30 seconds. Except for? After your last comment, Tariq. Yeah. Well, uh, it's an interesting issue. And this uh, new resolution is a flaw. There are drivers who have two leases or three leases. They are real drivers, and they are working on two different shifts at three different companies right now. Even in one week, they work at two different companies, and they have some other arrangement after that. I'm not talking about brokers real drivers. Then we comes another one. If you remember the conversation, if you look at the tapes, if you remember the Jordana words which she listened from Philip Walsh in the UTW case, if you remember the Philip Walsh himself words that he assigned two medallions. That case is attached here again. That medallions were assigned over there. So similarly somebody can assign me but I'm not the leaseholder. And leaseholder could be another driver, another stuff. And you have no power to look at my private agreement. Where is that comes in this case? Thank you. Anyone else? Uh, actually, I'm a little puzzled, and maybe it has to do with the hour and uh, having gotten up to drive my shift this morning. but. Um, I, I'm, I, what I'm puzzled about is, is when you talk about a lease, are you talk, a lease of a medallion, are you also talking about uh, a situation where the driver is, um, is, has a lease to drive a cab, but is, and, and the medallion comes with the cab, but, uh, you know, the driver works for Yellow Cab and he, and he has a, a lease with Yellow. Is, is, is this contemplated in this regulation, or is this regulation solely aimed at the situation where somebody is leasing a medallion on a long-term lease? Um, because I, I think that there are very different consequences depending on how that goes. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Okay, public comments close. Commissioner Onetto. I'm, oh, I make a motion to adopt this resolution, number 2009. Is there a second? Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Motion yes. passes. Opposed. Okay. Okay. Is your request in addition to passing this that we agendize it for the next time as a change in our rules? Correct. Okay. Yeah, and we're going to I'll make that a motion. Or? We're going to we have to I go know. over a little bit of this language too. So, actually, we should have changed a couple of things in here that's 
Oh, no, this is right for that them. Right for MTA, we right. have to change it for the other way. Okay. Yeah, the effective date and things like that. Okay. Yeah. Um, in honor of this, fine, of this item, I would like to adjourn I'd the like meeting. to honor, in honor of uh, John Hang of Aurora, yes. Illinois. <laughs> I'm going to frame this. Thank you. As a keepsake from this commission. Meeting is adjourned. Meeting is adjourned.